morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome into Cane and Company, you and me on the radio. Until noontime today, I want to say good morning, good morning to all police and fire personnel, civil servants, healthcare employees, and good old number 41. All right, Auntie Donna taking the morning off, and it's you and me together until noontime. Uh, and uh, directly across from me, you'll, if you're looking at me, you'll have to turn around to see uh, Jay Delisio. Good morning, Mr. Delisio. Good morning. How are you, sir? How are you? Very good. We're going to uh, get to stuff. Just a couple of things I want to mention. The song you're listening to is by Dickie Doo and the Don'ts. And uh, Dickie Doo was uh, my friend uh, Jerry Granahan. And Jerry is um, is the singer here and and produced a lot of great music, uh, the Angels and uh, the uh, the Fireflies and uh, great numbers. Uh, Jerry passed away this week at the age of 89, and he was a terrific, terrific guy. And I wanted to uh, uh, commemorate his his contribution to all of us. Just the beginning of it, by the way. Boy, Ronnie Spector this uh, this week, uh, uh, Bob Saget. Later on, uh, 11 o'clock hour, I'm going to have Bob Perlo on. Bob Perlo is a comedian who uh, made a lot of uh, people laugh uh, as a warm-up for The Tonight Show and a lot of other shows. Uh, Bob is a friend of ours, and he um, he's a good pal of Bob Saget's. And so we're going to talk about Bob Saget a little bit. going to be all showbiz all the time. But we have to be very officious and, and proper this morning, so we'll start with the honorary mayor, of Norton. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Good morning, Dave. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Well, Donna is not uh, here today, so uh, I'm glad we're going to remind her that r- roosters are chickens, right? Yep, that's right. That's right. Okay. Now, <laughs> now tell me what is going on in Norton, Mr. Uh, Mr. Wiggins. Last night, the Norton Lenses boys varsity basketball team defeated the Ashland Quackers. Forty-five to thirty-six. Watch your mouth now. The what? What? The what? What? What was the team they defeated? Ashland Clocker. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Forty-five thirty-six behind Marquise Pena, sixteen points. Wow. All right. And and the Norton Lancers girls basketball team fell sixty forty-seven. The Ashland Clockers on the road. Uh huh. Uh huh. So we have two defeats so far. Next. And the Norton Lancers. Swim team fell to a talented Halston Midway team. Boy, they're, they're having a problem, huh, Norton? The, the, all these areas. We we should get you on the swim team, Peter. Yes, that's right. Well, now, now, do you know do you know any uh, good strokes? Uh, my favorite has always been the breaststroke. The All right. Yeah, especially on dates. Okay, well, listen, this is this is great of you, Peter. And I'm glad you, you check in because we look forward to hearing from you because, as you know, I can't officially start this program without your okay and go ahead. So I'm going to ask you for your, your, your acknowledgement. Can we go forward now? You can go forward. Thank you very much, Peter. We'll see you Thank soon. Thank you very much, Dave. Have a good day. See you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. There goes uh, Peter J. Wiggins, the honorary mayor of Norton. How cool is that? Gotta love the energy of that guy. Excellent. Really cool. And he goes to everything. Yeah. I see him on Facebook. He's got pictures. He's driving places. He's, he's, it's unbelievable. Good for him. So to continue our, our you know, kind of feeling of, of prop- propriety, we need to, of course, show the proper respect to my guest this morning who used to be Jay Delisio. Now he's uh, <clears throat> Council President, Edinburgh Council President, Mayor. 
uh, Council President Delisio. Good morning, Mr. Delisio. Morning, Dave. How, How are you? Are you? Very hey, well, thank hey, you. Sorry to hear about the uh, loss of your friend. Yeah, well, I, you know, we don't think they're losses. You know, you know that. True. I, I agreed. Feel that. Agreed. Um, but Jerry is a, is a great guy. He um, he he come on my show in a heartbeat, and uh, he's got some tremendous stories about yeah. uh, working. He was in the Dick Clark Bandstand tours, and okay. he was. He produced. Uh, he, he created the Angels. Oh, really? Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, he was. He, he was a producer and a president of uh, Dot Records and another record company. So, it's where music was music. Yeah, exactly right. And just terrific. And a nice, nice guy. And his his daughter Tara is uh, with WPRO. She's okay. Tara Granahan. She's a midday morning host with PRO. And uh, but I just wanted to to mention him because uh, just a terrific guy. And always said yes when I'd ask him to come in. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you something else. I hadn't planned on saying this, but I will. Uh, he, he and his wife uh, lost a son uh, several years ago, several years ago. And um, when Nikki passed and we had our service for Nikki at St. Jude's, I turned around and there's Jerry Granahan. I hadn't seen Jerry Granahan in maybe seven years, six, yeah. seven years. And, and I was so surprised to see him, but, but it was very tough for them to come to assist service like that well, when imagine. they'd lost their own son. Actually, I can't imagine. No, and, and so it was just, I just never forgot that. You know, yeah. that's, that's the kind of, that's what I have to say about who both of them are. It's a good measure of a friendship right there. Just terrific. So I didn't want it this morning to go by without making sure we touch base. Now that we've touched base, we're going <laughs> to move over and see if I can destroy your political career. Um, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's see what we can do here. <laughs> so what happened now? Now, uh, you became... City Council President because uh, who moves on, moved on, right? Uh, yeah, Mark Hooper's moved on. And, um, and how, is that, how is that done? I mean, once I know you on Tuesday you're sworn in. Uh, is there a campaigning that's done? You guys vote on each other, right? Yeah, we vote. So um, around November, we, especially in a year like, like this one where Mark Hooper moved on and um, – it opened up the vacancy, and, and you got to vote for the president every two years. So okay. even yeah. though Mark was president two years ago, there was really technically no guarantee if he ran again yeah. okay. that yeah. he'd be president. But I think he would have been. I think he's, he did a great job. Um, personally, he was someone I looked up to, and I still reach out to him and, and even Frank Cook. Uh, and what, what makes advice. a good president? What uh, I mean, uh, what are the things that president has to do that other councils? Well, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of things, right? So for me, I'm trying to bring. Um, I'd, I'd like when people look back and, and when history looks back at this council, I want them to look at it like, wow, that was very professional, very diplomatic council, and they operated with decorum, open and, and uh, yeah, yeah, open okay, yeah, accessibility yeah. and. Um, you know, it's funny, since I became president, and, and I've always had a good amount of resident um, residents reaching out to me, but it seems two or three a day now, so it's yeah. probably just part yeah. of the job. But Well, it's, it's technically, I mean, not technically maybe, but it's, it's an at-large position, isn't it? Yeah, it, right? it really is. And, and personally, I think the days of the wards are probably kind of obsolete and you know, in a perfect world would be like Taunton where it's 11 city councilors yeah. all at large. Because yeah. yeah. we don't just vote on ward issues. We mm -hmm. vote on issues that impact the entire city. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at the uh, at the ward councilors, they're so involved across the city that they have residents in different wards reaching out to them. So I think to, to a lesser extent, we're all at large councilors anyway. But with the president, of course, because you now have to work with department heads, the mayor, all the... Um, 
city councilors. So one thing that's important to um, myself and Todd Corbis, who's now the vice president, is accessibility and making sure that we stay in constant communication with um, the department heads, with Virginia Stewart, who's the administrative assistant, just ensuring that we all are aware of what's going on. So there are no surprises. And, you know, Todd's like, what's one thing you need of me? I'm like, just be accessible. You know, and Todd and I talk, and even prior to this, Todd and I talk almost every day. But if there's issues, we bounce it off each other. And yeah. one thing we're doing is we're hosting office hours every Wednesday from 5 to 6 or 6.30 for the counselors and department heads. Is so, this new now? Yeah, I don't think it's ever been done. Let, let, let explain that what, what that is. Yeah, so what we're doing is from um, 5 to 6.30 every night, every Wednesday at City Hall, Vice President Corbis and I are going to be there. And this is an opportunity for the other councilors to come and talk about things that are in their okay. committee. Because everybody works. Everybody's got... Um, now, th this this speaks to the open meeting law, right? Uh, no, it? it's, it's different because... Um, so, for instance, if Todd's on budget, Todd's now the budget yeah, director, yeah. Uh, chair. So if Rick Conti came in and they were talking something about the budget, Todd would leave. But this is more or less, you know, just, hey, Mr. President, Mr. Vice President, I've got this question about this, this, and this. Okay. Or I wanted to All run right. this by you. It's just accessibility. Okay. And we started this Wednesday, and we had two councils show up, so that was a really good thing. That's um, great. Yeah. You know, it's just it's being there because we, we are a team. And it, it sounds so weird to say we're a team when it's a political faction, essentially. Did, right? did, did uh, Were there other councils, any other councils that want that? Um, were nominated for president? I mean, did you run, quote, run against anybody in this? Yeah, um, Rick Conti nominated Kathleen DeSimone. Okay. Um, you know, but, um, yeah, so... Kind of it, 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 new, though, right? No. Yeah, no. she uh, served one term. Um, mm, yeah. I was coming off my fourth, and the way it works is right around November, especially in, where there isn't going to be an incumbent president, mm -hmm. I started kind of getting some feelers, and people were asking me, some of my colleagues, which mm -hmm. was really kind of a nice feeling and pretty humbling, is they're like, you're going to be sure. the next president, right? Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. oh, we'll think about yeah, it. And yeah. time went on, and I started talking to people. And, you know, it's it's not uncommon for people to be like, hey, I want this committee, so I'll vote for you if you give me this committee. Oh. I don't play that game. Right, like, right. If, if my eight years of service to that point isn't enough, isn't enough yeah, then yeah. I don't deserve to be uh, – I don't deserve mm -hmm. the presidency. And I yeah, think people yeah. respected that. Um, it was nice. It was um, I had eight of my colleagues, well, seven of my colleagues support me, which was really nice. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're, I'm really looking forward to this term. I think it's going to yeah. be we're going to do some great things. There's a lot in front of us, a lot that's going to be coming down. And uh, we just need to make sure that we're moving the city forward with every vote we take. Mm -hmm. And so um, and it's it's good, I think, because a, a lot of people don't understand how all mm -hmm. of this works. Right. You know, how, and. Uh, they want to be involved, and they don't know how to get involved, or um, they step in it <laughs> in some form, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, the approach that I'm taking is I, I don't care if you're my quote-unquote political rival or if we you're an at-large counselor and I'm an at-large counselor and we run against each other. Yeah. We've got a job, and that's to move the city forward. Mm -hmm. And if this council does a good job, that's only setting the city up for success now and down the road. And to me, that's something that I take really seriously. I want to take a break, and when we come back, we've got more. We're talking with Council President Jay Delisio, and we invite you to stay on the line. Oh, call in 508-222-1320. 508-222-1320. If you'd like to make a comment or ask a question, now is 
a good time to dial it up. Okay? All right, you and me on the radio until noontime today. Jay Delacio is here, and uh, he is the new council president here in Attleboro. And if you'd like to chat with him, it's 508-222-1320. And so what are some of the things that you'd like to see get accomplished or get started or have in place now that you got the gig? Yeah, again, I'd like to start to, when it's res- uh, responsible to do so, start coming back full, uh, fully in person. We're yeah, not there yeah, yet. We're yeah. doing a hybrid right now, which I just think it's important that when we can, and we're smart, and Jim Jones does a great job of making sure it was socially uh, socially distant. So yeah. we had seven in the chambers on Tuesday yeah. uh, for were remote, and I think that's a good mix. Um, I just... I want to start to build more of a relationship between the council and the administration so we don't have the whole stay in your lane. And one thing that I've been successful with in my business is Excuse me, I, I got I to challenge you on this. Sure. Right? First of all, um, it's the same mayor. Mm-hmm. It's the same council, yep. pretty much. Um, how are you going to change... a? a change stay in your lane attitude from the other side yep what do you think is would, would go to help to do I, I can't control what he does i can control what i do and i can set an example for the council so for instance there was an email sent about uh something in front of the council from the mayor which i uh, let's just call it impassioned um and you know, I'm doing my homework on this issue. It's about the solid waste director. And, yeah. you know, the, the question is about the grade. Should it be a grade 7, 8, or 9? That's a classification. Yeah, explain to me what that is. So each... It's a classification. Yep, it's a classification of... If, so each job responsibility mm-hmm. um, or each job title has its own job description, job responsibilities, which comes with increased pay and things of that nature. So... We're trying to figure out, is this position a 7, 8, or a 9? And it's come down in front as a 9. So the council's asking questions about it, which is our, our right to do. And we got an email saying, hey, you know, the charter says this. Uh, we all understand what the charter says. Our role, if something's in front of us, and we're not doing our jobs if we're not talking about it openly within, you know, the parameters of open meeting. So uh, I actually emailed the uh, director of personnel, Here's some questions I have. And, you know, personally, the research I've done, I think it makes sense. I think the nine makes sense based on what this uh, role is going to entail. But, um, you know, the mayor sent me a text. You know, I heard you spoke with so-and-so. Thank you for that. So I picked up the phone and called him. I said, hey, let's just talk. Instead of texts and emails, let's you and I get on the page. And there's no love lost between Paul and I. You know, that's well documented throughout the years. And we're working to kind of bridge that gap because if this city's going to move forward, we have to put anything that was between us as water under the bridge mm-hmm. so we can move the city forward. And I said to him, I said, look, when these things arise, I'm going to pick up the phone and call you. I'm not going to email you. I'm not going to go to the paper. I'm not going to go to the TV station. I'm going to pick up the phone and call you. And uh, he was very receptive, and we had a really great conversation. So there's cautious optimism, I think, on both sides that we'll be able to fo- uh, forge a relationship to move the city forward. And at the end of the day, it's not about his future aspirations, my future aspirations. It's about the here and now and how do we move the city forward? How do we continue to get Adelbar to the point we know it can be? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Good. All right. So these are some of the things you're going to start trying to, to implement. Right? Some things have already started. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's, it's one of these, let's hit the ground running. Let's be accessible. 
and um, just keep the lines of communication open. I've talked to a lot of the department heads over the first week and asked what are your expectations and what can we do to have a good relationship and you know they've asked me the same and you know they said well what's important to you and I said we need to control spending. That's the most important thing to me right now because we don't know what the next couple of years are going to look like. We don't know where we're at financially three, four, five years ago uh, mm-hmm. from now. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, you guys are spending a lot of money and we had the big surplus and you're spending the money. And it, it's, it's a challenge because I look at things through a nice to have versus a need to have. And right now we're in a um, position where we can knock a lot of the capital improvement projects, vehicles, um, equipment off and paying cash. That's going to help us fiscally down the road. But it gets to the point now we're starting to look at, well, let's get, how about money for this sidewalk or that sidewalk? And let's get the performing arts pavilion at um, Highland. Well, let's practice the pause for a minute. <laughs> let's see, is this something we need right now? I'm in favor of all of that. I think a uh, uh, performing arts pavilion at Highland, using it for something mm-hmm. uh, which can generate revenue, which can give people something to do outside, which we have several uh, community theaters. We just had uh, Attleboro Community Theater in here. You have Firefly Theater. You have Attleboro uh, Triboro Youth. So that's a great thing to have, but we don't need to do it all right now. Mm-hmm. So let's just see what makes sense. Where are we fiscally? Because the worst thing we can do is a year, two, three years from now, be talking, sitting here talking about layoffs. And we don't want to be doing that. And, and we want to make sure that we're setting the city up because the city's growing. And we're outgrowing buildings. We're outgrowing City Hall. We're outgrowing the police station. So let's think about how are we planning for the future. And, and one thing I've always said is the votes we take today impact the city 5, 10, 15 years from now. And that's something I take very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I also ask, I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of people that don't know um, what you do. My mother used to say, you ought to have a day job. You got a day job. <laughs> I got to have something to fall back on when I want, <laughs> wanted to be a performer. Well, you got to have something. My, my mother one time heard that shoe salesmen get salary and commission. Yep. So, <laughs> so she thought that was a great job. But, you know, you could always sell shoes. I remember my mother. And when I'd hit things a little tough, and I, I remember, you know, my wife saying, "Well, you know, you could always sell shoes." <laughs> you know. uh, so, um, w- w- tell everybody what it is you do. Sure. Uh, so, because they may not know. Yeah, I'm the assistant registrar for the registry of motor vehicles. So I oversee all of the 28 um, registry locations, the service centers across the state. So, wow. Yeah. Um, we're working on changing the culture there, and. Uh, we've come a long way, come a long way in a relatively short time. Can you in- do anything to improve the driving attitude of the Massachusetts uh, license holder? Well, it's funny because that's something that um, this registrar takes very seriously, and it's something that we are working on is, you know, and, and Registrar Ogilvie says she expects every single employee of the Registry of Motor Vehicles to lead by example, and I think that sends a strong message. Okay, yeah, because, I mean, almost every time... Of course, in Rhode Island, right next door. Every every time I uh, uh, I'm driving and uh, somebody goes flying by me or cutting me off, it'll always be a mass license plate uh, drives me nuts. Yeah. Not that Rhode Island drivers are much better, <laughs> believe me. I'm not, you know, but I'm just saying that almost every time I before the yeah. car finishes passing, I know I'm going to see a mass license plate. So, are you saying that? Uh, Massachusetts live, uh, drivers aren't great drivers. I mean, I'm no sure, one's ever I said that. I know I should. I We've apologize. I realize that. this is, I'm stepping out on a limb here on this thing. Uh, you know, but it's interesting that, 
that you have this this gig and people, a lot of people I don't think realize it because you're you're so present here and and making sure things are happening here it's really terrific um, and of course you haven't facilitated my getting the director of the DMV on the air but thanks very much um, I mean, well I don't have any contacts at the DMV I mean the RMV <laughs> the RMV here what is it uh, alright DMV Rhode Island yeah. yeah well you can't get me the DMV guy I bet I could I bet I could I'll make <laughs> him you could get I heard. know a guy I'll make some calls thank you very much <laughs> very good uh, no so I mean listen you can't even get the rest of the councils to come on here so never mind anybody else yeah um, <laughs> to, to each their own should, well I think know? there should be a mandate that's personally I think there should be a mandate well, mask and attending this radio show. Uh, so, so this is exciting. Now, how how did you get to be president? And uh, Todd Kobus, the VP, was it a, a number of votes, or did they vote specifically for those positions? How yeah. did that go? So, on the first meeting of each term, um, after inauguration, we go and we have our first meeting of the of the term. Yeah. And the city clerk will run the meeting until the president and vice president are elected and sworn in. So. Uh, the first and only piece of business was electing the president and vice president. So um, Councilor Angelo, the new Ward 4 counselor, alphabetically was first. He nominated me, uh, which I truly appreciate. And then, um, you know, including myself, seven other people um, concurred. And then the same with uh, Council Cobus. I believe Todd was six to three. Okay. Um, All right. Uh, six to four was his. Um, and what was yours? Eight to two. Oh, gee, there you go. Whoa. Oh, stand by. Kobus is on notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, um, you know, and it, it was interesting because I know Rick Conti wanted to be um, vice president, and, and Rick's, Rick's been around for a long time, and he's yeah. done a nice job. Yeah. You know, he, uh, no one works, yeah. no one does homework the way Rick Conti does homework. When he was on the uh, the show with me here, and I haven't been able to get him to come back, by yeah. the way, but uh, I've sent him several, you know, uh, but he came in. And he reminded me the last time he and I actually, I think, had seen each other was when he was at Christmases for Kids putting bicycles together. Oh, wow. we, used, we used to do bicycles yep. all the time. We had to stop it because it was just logistically yeah. impossible. But uh, but he was over there putting bikes together. So his com contribu contribution to the city and, and everybody is well documented. Decades. Uh, even away from the, the council, of course. 100% other things that he's done. So that's very cool. Yeah. Um, and I like to tease him. He, he brings a, I, I appreciate his perspective. And it's funny because there's some things we don't always agree on. And, but when it comes to capital improvements, when it comes to the budget, when it comes to fiscal matters, the two of us generally are pretty aligned. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I, I appreciate the fact that I can pick up the phone and call him and say, hey, man, sorry if that got a little off the rails last night or vice versa, you know. But yeah. I appreciate working with Rick. I've been uh, with Rick my entire time on the council. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe down the road, I don't know, this is kind of, I don't know, maybe down the road you, you see uh, somebody else running for <coughs> council. Uh, I think Mr. Uh, Mr. McGee might decide to, Todd McGee might yep. decide to um, give it a shot. Yeah, I think that would be a good move uh, for Todd. See what happens. Yeah. That would be interesting. Cause there, you know, you're going to be needing, you're talking about change, changing, you're going to be needing new people, you're going to be needing... You know, y younger blood. I hate to say that to you because you're a good deal younger than I am. But, but I mean, younger blood. You know, and and it's important. That, you know, as 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 standards get set up, that yep. they're maintained, and and having people come in and figure out how to do it. And, and I think when you talk about standards, 
the standard that I, the, the standard I would like to see for this council is that of accessibility, that of when a resident calls, that we're not looking at the voter book saying, oh, I'll call this person back because they vote, or I won't call this person back because they don't vote. Like, they're residents of the city. That's our priority. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I want the legacy of this council to be, is that we're accessible, that we care, that we give back, and that we're acting cohesive. And, and I had a conversation with one of the counselors, and I said, we don't have to get we don't have to like each other. We don't have to get along outside of the uh, outside of the Tuesday night meetings, but we have to respect each other. And if we can respect each other, and if we can not fall into the trap of the political football games and trying to cut each other off at the knees and realize mm -hmm. the reason we're here is to help Attleboro thrive now and in the future, it's going to set us all up for success. You know, in our own political careers in our personal lives, in the lives of the residents. And to me, that's really what it's about, is how are we improving the quality of life in the city? It's interesting because, you know, you said about whether they vote, whether they don't vote. Uh, based on whether they vote, you would only have to do, be servicing nine people. Yeah. Because, yeah. because the horrible turnout for elections is, is, is embarrassing and disheartening. But I think that's because so many people feel that their vote doesn't matter. Well, of course it does. And, and your vote is your, your voice in local government. And it shouldn't stop after you cast the ballot. Stay involved. Watch meetings. Read the paper. Watch Attleboro Update. Call your uh, mm -hmm. city councilors. Let's yeah, yeah. have a conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. There are people that uh, I had an email exchange with a resident, and she's like, well, you know, you and I don't always agree um, on how you – on the vote, but I've always appreciated that you'll at least tell me why you voted that way. Yeah. It's the least I can do. It's literally <laughs> the least I can do if someone has a question. Yeah. It's too bad because especially now, nationally, with all of the problems we're having right. with voting rights and uh, and the um, scumbucket stuff going on and the actual attempted coup of the United States government, people have to understand how very vital their one little yetsy little vote is important. Yeah, and I think when you look at it, and, and it's it's twofold. So people are always like, how's the president of the United States going to create jobs? Well, it's not a politician's yeah. role to create yeah. jobs. Yeah. In my estimation, our role is to create an environment for business owners to, to be, be able, able to, to thrive yes. so they can so create they can the job. Of course. And the same is true for the division. The division in this country, mm -hmm. I use the adage that, you know, I'm not a I'm not a builder. I'm not a contractor. I've never built a house in my life that's not made of Lincoln Logs or Legos. Mm -hmm. But even then, I don't build from the roof down. I build from the ground up, from the foundation up. And mm -hmm. I think local government is that foundation. And it's up to us to start to um, mend some of those broken fences. It's up to us to start to bring people together. And it's, it's one vote at a time. It's one phone call at a time. It's one public meeting at a time. But I think it's, it's an incredible responsibility, but I think it's one that I know this council's up to. Mm. So you're, you're excited about this, huh? I, am, I, am I hiding that? Or? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's really a, working for you already, right? Well, you know what it is? I just, I really love this city, and I love what the city's history is. I love where we're at right now, and I'm really excited about where we're going to go in the next five to ten years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was talking with the mayor yesterday, and he said, look, some of the stuff we're doing now, we probably won't even be in office when it comes to fruition, but we're laying that ground stone, that bedrock. And yeah. whether it's the Council on Aging, whether it's the uh, looking into the potential of a joint um, public safety complex, 
These are things that realistically, we probably won't be in office at this time. Maybe, who knows? But it's something that we're planning for the future. We're giving future Attleboronians a, a, a way to move, um, to, to, to have a better community. And, and that's what we're setting up now. Attleboronians? Yeah, I came up with that. It's pretty good, right? <laughs> Uh, now, now you got me thinking. Is it Adelburians? Is it Adelburonians? Is it Adel? I'm going with Adelburonians. Is it Baron? Oh, just Baronians. No, you no, know. No, because in North Adelburg, we can't do that. Right, right. Adelburonians. I had a girl named Adelburonian. Hey, who sings that song originally? Oh, God. Well, regardless, let's keep it that way. Now, right, you, now you mess me you up. You know I was setting it yeah. up. 40, 40 years as a disc jockey, I can't remember. <laughs> um, not 40, almost. Um, and so I had a girl named Bonnie. I'll think of it. <laughs> so now um, we got. I think Kovas is coming in next week. All right, Todd Kovas, and uh, you and he are pretty much on the same page on a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, but and you know what? It doesn't happen by mistake, and I think it's important because there's a lot of conversation that Todd and I have behind the scenes, and you know we'll walk walk things through and um we keep well, you're gonna get an open meetings charge now you better not no <laughs> we're not on the same committees anymore <laughs> boom but okay. you know i want to point out uh, people that don't know this it's funny but i've had you guys come in and a, a topic has come up and one of you will will get up and leave the building leave not leave the building leave the studio until we finish commenting on whatever it is even though you can hear the conversation and then when you come back, nobody makes you don't make a comment or he doesn't whoever went out. Uh, very and that was something I I thought was great. I don't think yeah. I've had really. I don't think I've had anybody do that in all the time I've been on the air when I've yeah. had people because they just don't think about it. You've been very diligent about making sure everything everything's in a row. Yeah, I think it's important that we're practicing what we preach and and. You know, mostly it was about the budget or zoning or public safety because we were on all three of those committees together. And it was interesting because usually you don't have that, you know, two counselors on all three committees together. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it was something that Todd and I have always taken seriously. And, you know, it's the rules. The rules are in place for a reason. And um, we just wanted to make sure that we were keeping intact the integrity of the council. And the best way we can do that is by outside of the chambers and when we're in public, making sure that we're following the rules and, and procedures. Now, even four terms, right? Which yep, is what? on my fifth. Eight years yep. on your fifth. Um, when you get uh, new city councilors, um, I know sometimes it must be tough because they really don't know, I guess they haven't had a chance to learn how stuff goes, yep. right? And And... That must cause a problem, I'm thinking. I, I think Not for you because you were president, but... Yeah, I think it could. Um, so a couple things. Um, I knew Kelly and Mike. I, and Mike was actually one of the... Uh, Kelly Bennett, the Ward 2 counselor, Mike Angelo, the Ward 4. Mike was actually one of the first people I met at the YMCA when I first moved to Attleboro. Okay, yeah. So I've known Mike for some time. I know how hot of a worker he is. I've seen Kelly when she was on the Municipal Building Commission and... Um, really impressed with mm. what both of them bring to the table. and So you've seen Mike in the shower, I guess. Uh, well, no, no, no. It was more, you know, bench press. I'm like, hey, bro, oh, can you oh, spot okay. me? Bro, oh, okay. hey, bro, yeah. how much you I know you haven't seen Kelly in the shower. No, so. no, no, no. Hey, bro, yeah, how yeah, much yeah. you benching? You know, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, They're very macho. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it now. I'm like, yeah, it's a five-pound yeah. dumbbell, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the other one. And yeah, I'm yeah. the other one. So, um, 
they did a really nice job doing their homework throughout the campaign and watching council meetings and asking questions as things arose. Um, we held an orientation uh, last Saturday at mm-hmm. City Hall, and we kind of went over all of the rules, the procedures, how a council meeting is run. Vice President Kobus and I had Kelly and Mike stay after the meeting, and we ran through their committees. So we mm-hmm. did a couple. We spent about an hour, hour and a half with them doing mock committee meetings so they understood how it um, works and any questions they had. And they've done a nice job reaching out to myself, to Virginia Stewart, to Todd, and really some of their other peers, too, if they have questions. So hard work will go a long way in this field. Mm. And so uh, you're you're feeling like um, you can't get the basics. Yeah. Pretty much, right? Yeah, and I, I told them, I said, look, go into Tuesday's meeting. This past Tuesday was their first, and they both did a fabulous job. But I said to him, I said, go in knowing you're not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Go in knowing you're going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And that takes the anxiety away from it because yeah. you've got your peers. We're going to help you. Yeah. And they both said, you know, that helps. And I told them, just like when I hire someone at work, you're only new once in your career. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. it and use it as a learning experience. Oh, very cool. You yeah. know, yeah. and if, if they work hard and, you know, Mike's personnel um, in human serv- veterans and human services He's talked to the mayor three times already this week alone on, on sure, the subject yeah. we were talking about earlier with the uh, solid waste. And then I know he's talked to Owen Bebo, the director of personnel. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's jumping in. I know Kelly's uh, traffic and transportation. She's reaching out mm-hmm. to Mike Tyler. She's talked to the mayor. So they're uh, jumping in, um, and the city's pretty uh, pretty lucky to have them. Very cool. Very cool. And that's good news because, you know, you, you feel like people are doing their homework and <coughs> – yeah. Set up. And of course, you've always offered to help me out. You said to me the other day, stand by the window, I'll help you out. Which is yeah. Very yeah. Nice. Yeah. Of course. You know, but I, of course, I was standing behind you with <laughs> a little, you know. It was the fourth floor. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. You bounced. You were fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Nothing serious. Uh, we're talking with uh, Council President. I like saying that. Council President uh, Jay Delisio, who um, is, of course, here to. Uh, I'm the first, the first radio interview. You've done, right? Since becoming, no? <sighs> Who are we on with? My paisan, Dominic. Every <sighs> every Thursday, the first Thursday? No, no, I, I, get, no, saying, I, and, no, I understand, no, I understand. I told you I wanted to be the first. Person. I know, but. I understand. You know, no, I got to act quicker, Dave. <sighs> <laughs> I've had so many people. Tell me that for other reasons. You and me on the radio till noon time today. These are the Fireflies. You were mine. And um, <clears throat> I was also produced and developed by uh, my friend Jerry Granahan. And I'm just remembering him a little bit today. And commemorating and uh, celebrating his uh, contributions. Uh, another celebration we're having is the celebration of the election of uh, <clears throat> President, I hate to say it, President Jay Delisio of the city council. Uh, council. Yeah. So tell me something, that, if you can think of something, that happened since you've been city councilor that either surprised you or was it a, an incident when, you, you know, when you're talking to your grandkids and you're going to say, you know, one time, mm-hmm. anything special that, that you had to go through? I guess the pandemic was a part of it. Yeah, I would, I would say certainly the pandemic and, and how we – continued to govern through um, this challenge of the pandemic and learning how to do remote 
and have the meetings remote and how the public had to um, to, to participate remotely, but also the, the need of IT. And one thing that I'm introducing business on Tuesday IT. night, um, information technology, computers and telephones, things of that nature. Uh, one thing I'm introducing as new business on Tuesday is to combine the budget and the capital improvements committee into one committee. Right now we have 10 committees, budget and capital improvements. In my estimation, it's all part and parcel of each other. They should be one. That would leave a gap in a, in a committee because by the charter and by the rules, we need to have 10. Um, so we would create an IT and infrastructure um, a separate committee. committee. Yeah. And the, and the people from the other two would be part of that committee. Yeah, and what that would do is, is allow us to focus in on IT and technology issues and mm -hmm. work with um, the MIS director, uh, Bill Lennox, and really – because we've, we've replaced so many computers. We've replaced servers. We've had um, network issues. So let's bring some attention to that from the council's um, point of view. And I think what it's going to do is help to diversify the council a little bit more in terms of where we're looking and what we're looking into. So I've gotten some feedback. I've received some feedback from department heads who think that it's a good idea and it makes sense. So we'll uh, see how that plays out over the next uh, few weeks. And that's an interesting opportunity to try to m m manipulate what's happening to you, right? Yeah, I think we have to be as proactive as we can because a lot of times, especially with IT, if we're reacting, we're probably too late, which mm -hmm. means that the server's already gone or one of the switches is, is uh, yeah. outlived its usefulness. So this will help us be a little more proactive in, in the planning and, and – one thing that's really important to me is planning. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite uh, sayings is if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And it's, it's just all about having a vision and knowing where we need to go. And, and what got us here where we're at today may not get us where we need to in five, ten years from now. So we've got to be nimble enough to be able to change on the fly sometimes. What made you – where did you get your interest in being in politics? Um, when the Challenger exploded, to be quite honest. Um, I grew up in a very Democrat family, very Democratic household, and I saw Reagan, and I, you know, as the, uh, you know, the uh, Challenger speech as they left the um, Surly Bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I was just like, I said to my dad, I'm like, who's that? He's like, he's the worst president in the world, yeah. and he's one of those Republicans. I'm like, I want to be a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it really started at that early age, and um, just throughout my life, I was always paying attention and just interested in what's going on and just how it worked. I was just really curious about it. And then um, I was involved in like student council here and there in high school. And then I was the vice president of student life at Westfield State. And then uh, reality hit afterwards. And, you know, I started, you talked uh, about selling shoes earlier. <laughs> I was actually selling shoes. I worked yeah, for yeah. Uh, City yeah. Sports. Yeah, I sold uh, sneakers and, yeah. you know, for a couple of years. And then I actually went into teaching for a bit. I taught history at Stoneham High School for oh, about cool. a year yeah, as a yeah. substitute. And I filled in for my favorite um, my, my favorite teacher of all time, Jim Romano, who's since passed away. But, um, and then the bills started coming in. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> I looked at Amy. I'm had like, to get a real job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I started in banking. And then um, when Scott Brown was running for Senate, he was our senator down here. Mm -hmm. uh, I was paying attention still, but not really all that involved. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go grab a sign. And I'm going to hold a sign for this guy. I want to. So then I started talking with uh, and got to know like Howard Bebo and 
Paul Dion and some of the other people, and I decided to get involved. And then in uh, 2011, the opportunity came, and I said to Amy, I said, I think I think I want to give this a whirl and see what happened. And I uh, ran in 2011, and there were nine of us, four or five seats. I grabbed, s- snuck in in the fifth seat as a relative unknown, but, you know, I really worked hard. I, I hit, you know, probably 1,200 doors throughout that uh, summer and fall, and just learned and was at every council meeting and got to know guys like Walter Thibodeau and Peter Blair and um, don't, Frank Don't Cook. mention Thibodeau. You know, he, you know? He, you know, next thing you know, he's going to want to be here. I hope so. Don't, he, don't, he, don't you, please, you talk no. about a guy who but I But you mentioned him, he shows up. It's yeah, unbelievable. Great. It's like Beetlejuice. Oh, okay. Thibodeau, <laughs> Thibodeau, Thibodeau. <laughs> hey, Walt. <laughs> hey, Walt. But, you know, uh, the late Bill Bergevine, um, you know, he, I would sit in the council, um, the peanut gallery, if you will, the audience of the council meetings, every single meeting, didn't miss one. And um, he came up to me, and he'd give me little bites of information here and there. And he said to me once, he said, uh, the committee meetings, this is where the heavy lifting happens. This is where you have to make a difference. I'm like, interesting. Yeah. Another time he said to me, he goes, you know, do you ever see me speaking first? Yeah. I'm like, no. He's like, that's because you have to have an open mind and the best legislators are the ones who are able to sit there and listen to both sides. And that, that just resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And there's been times that I've went into a vote, I'm like, this is going down, we can't have that. And then uh, someone like Mark Cooper would say something, and well, remember in the zoning board, we did this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's an interesting, uh, I never thought of that. This kind of goes you know? back to my question about the early uh, days on the council for any council yeah. who's been elected. They, they come in with this, idealism maybe or this list of ideas they know they can fix. I have found in, in my career uh, people who, who work for anybody. And they boy, if I ran this place, yeah. I know what to do. And then they get the gig or they get near it. And they realize that it's like being elected president. You get behind the, cha- behind the desk and you go, Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we can't because why? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's funny because, and, and you see, especially with new candidates and we were all new once, yeah. and I came out in 2011. I'm like, I'm going to fill the downtown with, with new businesses. Yeah, right. And uh, someone on my campaign looks at me and goes, awesome. Yeah. How? Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. What do you mean, how? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to say it. It's going to yeah, happen, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's that kind of mindset, and I think the candidates that are successful are the candidates that understand really what it is that they're getting into to the mm-hmm. best that they can. Mm-hmm. But it's also understanding that, you know, there's a lot of buzzwords in politics, and People love to use the buzzwords in politics, but th- that how piece is so important. Mm. Yeah, really cool. So, well, I, I'm I'm really liking this because you and I, I don't think we've spoken this seriously ever. I don't think we? so either, and Usually, I blame Hawkins for that. Well, of course, it's his <laughs> fault. Um, but <laughs> it's really, uh, it's very selfish. It's very assuring uh, to know that we've got somebody like you. Uh, on the city council, and to know really the great majority of, of people in the city council are really good people and have the right agenda yep. and have what's going on, and, and all of them want what they feel is best for the community, and that, that's really assuring yeah, for people. I, I, I agree with that, and that's why I think the last two or three councils have been really cohesive, and I think that's important to continue. And like I said, we don't have to get along. We don't have to like each other, mm-hmm. but we have to respect each other. And, you know, 
we have to respect the administration. Our hopes the administration respects us. We have to respect that resident because mm -hmm. the, the issue that that resident's having is the most important issue in their life. We might have, you know, oh, we're dealing with the budget or we're dealing with the American Rescue Plan Act. Well, what does that matter to the person who's having issues with their trash pickup or, you know, with speeding on their street? It doesn't matter to them at that time. So mm -hmm. it, it's an interesting dynamic that you pick that up in, um, in time and with experience. I know, <clears throat> as I like to do periodically so people really get to know who you are, totally off the top of my head, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I've got some questions here. I don't know if we've done this before with you, but I, I want to do it again anyway. Let's do Th it. These are these questions from the Actors Studio. Yep. And uh, have we done it before? We, we did, did it once. A long time ago. long time ago. I think, yeah. honestly, I think I might have been the first time that you've done it on the air because okay. that's what you said. Probably. I, okay, I hope great. You wouldn't I, lie. So, well, you could <laughs> lie. I'm not a politician, but I could still lie. Neither am I. I'm a public I, servant. Okay, thank Huge you. difference. Ah, there you go. See, I, see, I set them up. I'll hold them up, set them up, you knock them over. Okay, so here are the, some of the questions that uh, John Lipton, um, is it John Lipton? Uh, offers, uh, they're actually from a Proust quiz. What is your favorite word? Hmm. That's a good one. Um, I got a favorite phrase, yes, dear. Gets me out of a lot <laughs> right. of trouble. What's your least favorite word? No. Hmm. Uh, what turns you on creatively or spiritually? What gets you really gets you excited going? Do, set an example for my son. Okay. What turns you off? Setting an example. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, people who are overly negative. All right. Uh, we'll say what's your favorite curse word, but I'm going to pa pass on that. I have an idea. I, I, I don't curse. That's what I mean. When my mother's in yes, I understand. Yes, right. <laughs> I understand. But your mother's got a mouth like oh, a Oh, she does. My uh, gosh. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? <laughs> the sound of my Traeger grill turning on. Oh, there you go. All right. Uh, and what sound or noise do you hate? Car crashes. Oh, all right. Car crashes. Now, what profession? You've had several now. What profession, other than what you're doing now for a gig, uh, what would you like to attempt? I would love to... Um, have my own um, cable show oh. that focuses on cooking. Yeah. Oh, cooking oh, become show. no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. So I have a little side, not side hustle because I'm not you know making money, but it's an Instagram account. It's called yeah. Spot and Smoke, and it's just I have a ton of recipes. I have three grills on my patio. My wife thinks I'm insane, oh. so that that would be it. Gordon Ramsay. Um, what profession would you not like to do? What is one thing you say, no, no thanks, I, 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 I pass? I would say most, well, that's a good one, there's a couple, but right now, uh, I, I would say press secretary for the President of the United <laughs> States. <laughs> okay, you pass, you get to the pearly gates. Mm. What, do you, what do you want to hear God say to you? Welcome and thank you for making a difference. Okay. And what would you, this is my quick, I added to this, uh, what would you like to ask God? You could ask God anything you want. You get one question, you ask him anything you want. What would you like to ask him? Hmm. Where's my grandmother? Oh, cool. Yeah, I think that would, you know, my uh, grandmother, very special to me. Tell, um, me. Tell me about her. 
she was just great. She was, uh, you know, I call her my Irish lass. And oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. she was just amazingly strong, sweet. She had a sense of humor on her, and it was unassuming. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you, you have Irish blood in your family? Um, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm half Irish, half Italian. Getting fights and with myself you, for no and reason. And you picked the Italian side to be on the, with Dominic before me? You'd pick the Italian side to nod to rather than the Irish side. I just want to be clear on this. Yeah, you know, this is a battle. So I actually, <laughs> even with my aunt, I had a picture of um, an Ireland shirt uh, that uh-huh. was on my Instagram. And my aunt's like, okay. finally, you chose the Irish. I'm like, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, Auntie yeah. Mo, I got well, you. Well, Nicky's half Irish, half Italian, and he always talks about being Italian. He always leaned to the yeah. to the uh, to the Italian See, side. I love it both. I mean, they're both such rich cultures and and yeah. there's a lot of and similarities. They make a good combination. They do. Uh, you, you know, know couples. They I'd do. like to think so, you know, but um yeah. Now yeah. tell me I I, I interrupted you about your yeah. grandmother. Tell me about the other thing about she your grandmother. She just had so at one point we're at a in this story I love. We were at a cookout at my aunt's house and she's looking. I'm like, "Nana, what's wrong?" She's like, "I can't find my friend." I'm like, "Izzy's right over there." She's like, my wine, Jay. I can't find my wine. <laughs> oh, that was her best friend. You know? She knew. Yeah, no, yeah. she was just, and she was always there. You needed a kind word. You needed that little boost of encouragement. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my grandfather passed away uh, the December mm-hmm. before I was born. So he yeah. passed away. He was waked either the day before Christmas Eve or on Christmas Eve. And when my family got back to my grandmother's house after the wake, my mother and my um, aunt saw the story. Every light in the, on the street was out, out of respect for my grandfather. And, you know, it's, it's Christmas Eve or two days before Christmas. So my grandmother saw it, and she asked my mother and my aunt, she's like, why is everyone's lights out? They're like, oh, it's, you know, out of respect for uh, Dad. She went, first thing she did, she flipped the, uh, her own Christmas lights on, made sure that they uh, all went on. Uh. Because th- as much as she appreciated it, she wanted to make sure that everyone knows that life's going to move on, we're going to be okay. And, you know, let's enjoy Christmas the best we can. And then, as legend has it, every single house on the uh, street that had lights started lighting up. So, oh, cool. you know, that's just who she was. Just amazing who she is. Just an amazing, yeah. amazing person. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching Jay. I'm teaching you know. is as opposed to was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was in my, my older brother and my uh, cousin Aaron, who's a year younger than I am. We spent so much time there growing up. And uh, we were the three oldest of the, I don't know. 12, 12 yeah. uh, grandkids, and some as we were there. And I grew up in Stolen. She was in Melrose. It's literally uh, five right. minutes away. But we were there, and it was always a big deal. And she made it like a big deal. So you know, I, really I, cool. I, I'm glad to hear that. It's a, ni- it's a nice memory to have and hold on to. I, I wanted to mention that I said that Thibodeau always shows up. And I thought he was coming in today. He's coming in next week. <laughs> so the joke is gone now. Because I thought you were going to leave the studio and see him standing and, there. And, and I would have said, that's great. I know, but I'm just, all right. we're out of here. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Enjoyed the time together. Well, uh, well I always enjoy being with you guys. We'll um, talk to you soon. Food drive February 5th. Uh, food drive February 5th. Stay tuned. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You and me on the radio until noontime today. Want to say good morning, good morning to our police and fire personnel, civil servants, health care employees, and good old number 41. Now, what I did, I asked uh, uh, Jay if he would hang out a little bit lo- uh, longer, uh, president of the city council, Jay Delisio, because there's a couple of things I, we didn't get to, and I wanted to make sure we, uh, we covered it, and he, he has nothing else to do except to <clears throat> go to a party I wasn't invited to. But other than that, he's fine. 
well, I'm not going to a party so much as uh, you having know, a party. Having a party, not even the, a party, because you know it's then just. I'm also not invited. It's just our bubble. I just our no, bubble. I being understand. responsible. No, I understand. You know, no, I understand. With a uh, ton okay. of food, yeah. you know, I got. I had uh, thought about this the other day. So, <laughs> somebody, I actually, um, my friend. By the way, I was playing click clack because my friend Jerry Grant had passed this week uh, at the age of 89. Terrific producer and performer. And uh, singer, and of course, uh, he was to be responsible, as I was telling Jay, for the Angels. Uh, my boyfriend's back, and he produced that. The Fireflies, and a bunch of others. Anyway, I talked to somebody, he said, you're gonna go to Jay's wake? And he said, oh no, he said, I just got exposed to somebody with COVID. And I thought, wow, what a great excuse that is now, not to go to, <laughs> not to, go to somebody's place. Oh, I'd love to go to your fundraising party, yeah. Jay, but I was exposed to somebody that had COVID. No, Amy, I'd love to go to your family's house, but uh, I you just know, can't, exactly. Just, right. I don't want to expose okay, them. Thank either. you very much. <laughs> yeah, right. so don't want to make good, light of the situation, yeah, yeah. of course. And so that's why you <clears throat> use that excuse not to invite me to your house for the barbecue. Yeah, um, it's it's all right. I'm yeah, not yeah, offended. Yeah. yeah, no, it's just it's just the bubble. We're trying to be responsible. Well, let's talk about something I am invited to, and that's the food bank collection. Ye- What's going on? Yeah, we're doing another food drive on February fifth. Saturday, the, February 5th. Yep, from ten to one at the VFW on Park Street. Okay. And um, it's going to be sponsored this time, which is really really cool. We have two new sponsors. The National Junior Honor Society, the Brennan Middle School chapter, okay. and the Attleboro Police Association. So we're looking for canned fruit and vegetables, snacks, mm-hmm. peanut butter, pasta, cereal, pet food, personal care items, diapers, sizes five and six especially, baby wipes, things of that. Now, um, now when you say sponsored, how, how is that, uh, what form does that take? Um, th- they're going to be out there working with us. They're going to be okay. helping us get the word out. Okay, and, great. Um, right. It's uh-huh. a great way to get them involved. And, of course, I'm willing to bet the Attleboro Youth Commission will be involved. And it's really great. And, you know, we um, every year we have the opportunity to record a little piece in the ACS studios for Martin Luther King Jr. and um, tying it all in. I used a quote of his about service, and anyone can serve. You don't need a college education. You don't need, you know, a skill set to serve. You just have to have a soul of of love. And, you know, that's really kind of what all this is about, and I tied it into what we're doing across the city. In so many things throughout the pandemic, it's it's service, and it's helping people out. And I think during the pandemic, that quote, it's a lesser-known quote of – Dr. King's, but it's something that resonated with me, and I think the essence and the spirit of that, we see that with the food drive. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you, you've got a lot of work that you're involved in, over and above the count, the, the actual council uh, stuff. Um, and Amy, I know, is very supportive for your wife, Amy. And uh, talk about how that is. That that's can be really be tough if somebody's into something and the spouse isn't. It's be really tough. It's almost impossible. And um, when I first started, uh, Brian Kirby, former city councilor, said to me, he goes, Jay, he's like, you can have all the support of everyone across the city, but if you don't have the support of the people who are sitting at your breakfast table, you'll never be successful. Mm-hmm. And this really resonated with me. And it's it's hard, you know. Sure it's is. really yeah. hard on yeah. Amy and uh, Ron. Um, it's not really hard on Ryan because the kids just got, like, this thick exterior. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, we talk about it. And he's like, hey, Dad, at school someone was talking about this. You know, and I'm like, okay, so here's the situation and here's really what it is. Mm-hmm. What's tough for Amy is when the Facebook posts get going and some of the letters to the editors, which, mm-hmm. l- you know, luckily hasn't been – we haven't had that in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. which is, is a good thing. But it's tough, and it's tough – 
we like to joke that I'm like, yeah, Amy supports me because she likes when I'm not there. But all joking aside, you know, it, it impacts family time. It impacts our ability to do things. And, you know, this week I was out, I was at City Hall every night this week other than maybe Friday. And I love it. And Amy, Amy loves that I love it. She sees the impact she, and she sees Ryan's passion for it and his involvement. But, you know, it, every year we have a conversation um, before I pull papers. Does this still make sense? Is this going to be, you know, are we going to be able to mm-hmm. do the things we want to do? Is it going to impact our family life? Because my family is most important to me. It's uh, funny. Uh, you talk about Facebook and stuff like that now. You know, I've been in talk radio for years, and the stuff that has been written mm-hmm. and said and thrown at me and rumored about me and da 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 da. But you have to think about the agenda of the person that's writing. Right. What, what is their gig? What's their problem? Many times it's a form of jealousy, yeah. or celebrity, or jealousy of of uh, you know, the, the esteem that you've managed to muster up from mm-hmm. people, uh, and they're frustrated on their own level usually having nothing to do with you at all. Yeah, and, you know, at work, at the registry, I, I talk to my uh, customer service reps, and I'm like, look, there's a difference between someone swearing and being sworn at. So, you know, you got to look, what's going on outside their lives? You know, That's you're exactly interacting right. yeah. with them for 10, 12 minutes. Yeah. You know, if you're telling them that they don't have the reg and title application and they drop an F-bomb, mm. it's a lot different than them dropping an F-bomb directed at you and yeah, making it yeah, personal. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of my approach here is like, what's the what's the why behind the what? You know, um, why are they coming out? Well, it's usually the same why. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's usually the same why, you know. And and especially now with everybody struggling financially and and, and worried about COVID and all that other crap. And then they get there and and they think that all you guys want to do is just irritate them and, and, and you know it, they don't, they don't think the, the customer doesn't think yeah of, that you have a family and you got kids and you may be in a very similar situation right but you're on just on that side of the counter i've always said you can say anything you want about me mm-hmm. don't bring my kid into it yeah and then someone's like well what if they said something about amy i'm like oh <laughs> then you're on your own there kid <laughs> you Good deal luck. with amy she'll come <laughs> Not gonna like, hey, do it. hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, all joking aside, you know, um, I, I'm fascinated by a lot of the leaders of the past, especially Abraham Lincoln. And one thing Lincoln did, which I thought was really great, is he would take his political enemies and put them on his cabinet. He would say things along the lines of, if someone doesn't like me, I want to know why. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that meant that he's like, oh, my God, that person doesn't like me. Why? I'm so sad about this. Mm-hmm. No, it's what can I be doing differently? Yeah. Did I do what something? What did I miss? Yeah. 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 And, yeah. And I think that's fascinating. So there's been times on Facebook mm-hmm. when someone's like, oh, this guy's this, that, the other thing. Yeah. I'll shoot him a private message. Hey, do you want to talk? Is there something that I can yeah, do yeah. better? And, yeah, and yeah. a lot of times they're like, oh, I didn't know you'd read that. <laughs> and, you know, a, a lot of times they're fake accounts. A lot of times oh, sure. they're people that don't even live, live in the city. But of you can't run from it. It's the only way you're going to get better. And, yeah. you know, as long as it's not personal, then I won't take it personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and even if it is personal, so what? So what? I mean, who <laughs> cares? Oh, gee, God, you know, uh, ring my doorbell and run. Okay, bye. Yeah, they have the same right to their opinion and their sure. thoughts as anyone else. And, yeah. and, you know, they pay taxes. They live here. They shop here. You know, they work here. I mean, this yeah. is their community, too. It's interesting to me, though, because these people, it's funny, they want you gone. Now, in my history, people will write, 
and they want me fired. Mm-hmm. I got to be fired. It can't be reprimanded. It can't be suspended. It can't be take uh, 20 bucks out of my cell. Yeah. It's got, I got to be fired. No regard for the fact that I might be trying to support a family. Right. <laughs> and I might have. You, you, you. And in my case, it's funny because you don't have to listen to this show. <laughs> There's right, nothing you can I, change the dial. But, but not only do they not like it, but they don't want anybody else who would like it not to be able to hear it. Yep. <laughs> they want to punish everybody. Yeah. It's really crazy. Stuff. It, it's you can you can swipe, you can turn the radio dial, you can you know whatever. But it, sometimes it's that's the communication. That's the it's their style of communication, and you just can't take it personally. And, yeah, and I told yeah. the new counselors that I said, look, your name's going to end up in the paper, and it might be unflattering one day. You sure. might have your oh, name yeah, on yeah. Facebook one day, and and you know at the end of the day, mm-hmm. trust in who you are, stay mm-hmm. true to yourself, and know that you did everything for the right reason, and yeah. it's going to pass. I mean, news, oh yeah, yeah. News cycles are generally yeah. pretty short. That's exactly right. Things change yeah and people can't remember just stay focused on doing the right thing at the right time for the right reason and mm-hmm. you're gonna be okay yeah uh we're talking with jay delicio new president of the Anniversary city council and i wanted him to uh, to recount a story he started to tell me off the i have a i have a rule here that actually jay knows i think i have a rule here when people come into the studio uh i try not to talk to them during the during the breaks or before the show um, about anything we're going to talk on the air, we'll talk about other things. But I try not to talk about anything on the air because they'll always tell you some cool story. Uh, and then when you ask them to repeat it, all of the great details go away because they just told it to me. Right. So they don't tell you the, the whole rich story. So we started to talk about his grandmother. We'll take a break, and when we come back, Jay will tell you this grandmother story. And I, I, I wonder if you'll, want to, you'll, you'll be able to figure out why I would want him to tell this story. <clears throat> You'll never figure it. Stay tuned. You're listening to Kane and Company. All righty, you and me on the radio until noontime today. Auntie Donna is taking the uh, day off, but uh, with me is President of the City Council, Jay Delisio. And uh, just before he was going to leave, he started telling me this story about his grandmother. And um, I stopped him and said, Oh, you gotta, I got to hear this on there. I got this on there. And uh, let's talk a little bit. Now, your grandmother's name was uh, Alice. Alice, okay. To me, Nana, and we, and we all call her Alice, too. It's, it's just oh, kind of right? funny, like, just kind of like, yeah. oh, remember when Alice did that? And, <laughs> you know, it's just really, really funny. And my, right. my kid brother actually did the ancestry thing. Oh, yeah. So her birthday was, um, is January 1st. So oh, cool. 1914. So yeah. my brother found all these pictures of uh, my grandparents' wedding, the house that um, she was born at, and all this other cool stuff. Great. And it's just, uh, she passed away in 2008, and it mm-hmm. was... Um, two days before Father's Day, uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was my brother's first Father's Day, my second. And, you know, it was just kind of, it was it was interesting when she passed because my, my mom and our two sisters and brother, they were just, the stress of it. You know, she'd been sick for a long time. She was 90, 95, 94, yeah. 95. Yeah. And she, uh, 94. And just the stress. Mm-hmm. And they all got together and... You know, they just kind of all showed up, you know, just to be there and everything else. We weren't expecting that it was going to happen right then. It could have been any time. But they were all together, and um, they all held hands and and prayed. We're not a big prayer family. (laughs) It's just, you know, we're Irish Catholic, and, you know, we're we're holiday Catholics. And Mm. um, But it was a real poignant moment, and... 
I think it was at that point she's like, I can go now. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. she's impacted our lives so many ways, and, and even, you know, um, all these years later. So a few years ago, my wife had her friends from high school come over, and, you know, it's they're just a great, great uh, group of women, and they all they do is laugh and laugh and laugh, and mm-hmm. they want to do something different, so they brought in a medium. At this point, I'm like, oh, my a God. Medium. A mm, medium. This is interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, all right, what are we doing here? You know, th- th- this this is malaki. Not on board. So, not on board with it. You know, ah. no, no, wasn't feeling it. So uh, her friends are coming down one at a time, crying and this and that. And I'm like, you guys are a bunch of jokers. You guys are clowns. So Amy's like, come on, come do this with me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we go upstairs, and uh, the medium looks at me. She goes, and she didn't know my name. And she goes, you're not buying into this. I'm like, no, <laughs> not at all. I yeah. said, you're looking at things around the environment and you're just making calculated guess. And she looks at me, she goes, stop it, James. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, a little weird. Cause that's what my grandmother would say when I was yeah, getting but, a little out and of And your line. name is James. My name is James. Name is yep. Jay, yeah, but, yep. Uh, take away the ums from yeah. James <laughs> and you got Jay. But um, so we're just sitting there talking and I'm like, all right, peek my, you know, a little <laughs> bit and still not hundred percent bought in. So um, they're talking, and she's like, oh, your grandmother's here. I'm like, all right, Aim, this is all you. She's like, no, your grandmother. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, Nana, how you doing? So <laughs> um, then um, she's like, I see a pastry. I'm like, a pastry? My, gr- my grandmother didn't cook well. She certainly wasn't a baker. And I see a lump of jelly. And I'm like, okay, now this is getting real. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting somewhere. And there's a spoon next to it. I'm like, oh, my God. So when my grandmother made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, she would use a, a spoon, and she would lump the jelly, and it would make this big hump in the middle of the yeah. uh, sandwich to the point that my cousins and I did a fantasy football league forever, yeah. and the trophy was the jelly spoon. So okay. we are like, okay, that's, that's a little crazy. So a couple other things like that came up. And then um, she said, Amy. And Amy had mentioned her name at that point either. And she goes, you have my flowers. And I'm like, yep, you lost me. Yeah, you, like that's borderline. Yep, yep, Anyone yep. can say that. Yep. And Amy starts bawling. And I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, Jay, when your, mother, when your grandmother died, your mother and her sisters took the flowers that were on the casket. Mm-hmm. And they pressed them. And all the girls, my cousins, my aunts, my mother, my sisters-in-law, mm-hmm. they all got bracelets with the flowers oh cool and we were like okay now (laughs) i'm in (laughs) you got me yeah and then um she says jay did you do you she wants to know have you seen pennies i'm like pennies Mm. i'm like pennies i was i think i was still banking at the time i'm like i just got out of banking (laughs) i'm like yeah i was a banker for 12 years of course i did and then she's like no randomly on the ground when you're having a bad day and i started thinking and thinking and thinking i'm like yeah, as a matter of fact. And there was one a day or two before, like right outside my car door. And she's like, that's your grandmother. Sure. Telling you it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, just so now um, we have a little chalkboard, like just you write little happy sayings and slogans. I found one of those pennies and it's on that chalkboard in our kitchen everywhere. And uh, it's it just, it was a really eye-opening experience that made us say okay like you said they didn't pass away i mean you know yep, they're not yep, gone they're, they're not still going. Yeah, they're here not with going. us and yep. and i think that's really an important lesson to learn yeah well, I, I really wanted to hear the rest of that story yeah. as you started i stopped you because i wanted to hear i love 
<clears throat> when people, um, you see, I, I don't believe that skeptics are being jerks. I think that skeptics really want it to be true. Sure. They are afraid that it won't be. And that's what keeps them away. You know, they want to get suckered in or, yep. you know, and that's the thing that keeps them from buying into it directly. It's really, it's, it's a soul-searching kind of experience, you know, because you questioned, man, and you're 100% right, because that was my, like, I didn't want to find out it's not real. Right. You know, and I think the, the same is true of religion, too. Sure. I think people step away from whatever their church is because they don't want to find out that what happens if, well, it's like a miracle on 34th Street. Mm-hmm. Faith is believing when common sense tells you not to. Sure, right, so. exactly. Yes, exactly right. And it's cool, isn't it? It's it really is cool. It's reassuring. Jay was talking about saying we off air. He was telling me I don't think we've had, well, we haven't ever had a conversation like this. We've just been able to uh, today just kind of chill out and and be a little bit more direct about things. Yep. And not, yeah. Because usually we're just plugging something that's about to happen, and he has to get out of the studio, right? Because he's got to go somewhere. We just talked about. Uh, your grandmother being surrounded by family. Every time I see that, it, it irritates the hell out of me. I see that. Surrounded. He was surrounded by his family. He was, and I'm thinking to myself, this is why they're gone. It's like <laughs> they couldn't get rid of the answers. Get out of here. <laughs> well, Let me sleep. And it, you know, and Funny it, story about that. When Amy's grandfather passed away 15, uh, Ryan's 15, so it must have been 16, 17 years ago, he was at... Um, the hospital in, um, I can't think of the name of it, mm-hmm. um, in West Roxbury. Okay. And we were all there. It was Amy's father, stepmother, um, myself and Amy. And, you know, it was guys on his deathbed. Like, we were expecting any time. He looks up at us and goes, for the love of God. And he didn't use that phrase. It yeah, was one yeah. that I will not <laughs> use on the radio. I understand, yeah. um, but he's like, for the love of God, just go get something to eat. I just want to <laughs> sleep. Right. You know? Right. And um, my father-in-law was like, bye, Dad. And, and, and yeah. he just kind of knew, and sure. he ended up going that day. But it's I think it's yeah. accurate. It's like, don't spend yeah. your time around us. And, mm. you know, when uh, my father-in-law ultimately passed away himself uh, three years ago, I think it will be four years in uh, July, this guy was like a father to me because I don't have a great relationship with my father. That one really hurt. But um, we were all literally in that bedroom surrounding him and just talking to him. He mm-hmm. was in a coma, you know. Yeah, he yeah. slipped into a coma. He had um, some medical issues, and... You know, his brother, his twin brother flew in, and um, it was just sad and heartbreaking, but enriching at the same time. It was really an interesting dichotomy, because how many people truly get the chance to say goodbye to someone? You really don't, you know, a lot of times. Well, you shouldn't be saying goodbye. Here we go again. Yeah. You shouldn't be saying goodbye. You say, it's okay. Everything's good. Yeah. We're fine, you know. And and that's a lot of what the conversation is, is, you know, go be with your parents. Yeah. You know, we'll take care of things down here. You take care of things up there, and we'll meet again. Yeah. We'll meet again. We'll be right back in a quick break, and then uh, see what else we can scrounge up here. (laughs) Having a good time. All right. (laughs) All right. You and me on the radio, and we were talking with the – City Council of President. Do I have to say that every time? No. no. City Council of I'm trying to really show respect to the position. I appreciate it, but you know, you know what? Jay works. I understand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jay Delisio. And we've been talking about all kinds of stuff today. We don't get a chance to do this. Uh, or it, it didn't, I mean, we have a chance. I guess we could have done it, but we never did because most of the time when 
Jay's come in. It's been to promote something yep. he was on his way to. He and Cobus and Hawkins, the yep. three amigos, <laughs> and uh, they come in and uh, and uh, now Feeney, we're adding Feeney to yep. that crew. He shows up all the time. Well, I have a text um, chain with the three of them. I call them three. Uh, three Democrats and the good guy. Oh, very good. We joke a lot about that, but, you know. That would have to be a joke. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, well played. Well played. (laughs) Um, Anyway, we got to talk about stuff, and and, and Jay was going to ask, we could turn the tables on, Jay's going to ask me a question or two or whatever. Yeah. Because I'm, you know, interviewing him all the time. So it's been pretty open and honest, this conversation. So what is your biggest strength? And what is your biggest weakness slash opportunity? Weakness slash opportunity. Yeah, because I hate saying weakness. Well, that's right. That's right. My biggest strength. I don't know. I, I'm I'm pretty tenacious. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't give up easy. I, you I, don't say. Once, once <laughs> really? Because that show does it. Okay. Um, I'm pretty much pretty direct on things and try to try to say exactly what I think mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, you uh, the phrase you always talk about phrases. You like phrase I like is, uh, "No is not the answer I'm looking for." Yeah, you know, and I think my weakness. If I have a weakness, I think it's. I think well, I mean well, I have a lot of flaws, but a, a weakness I think is, expecting or script writing what I call script writing, mm-hmm. for other people that they're going to be on the page with me, that they're going to think this. And they're going, and one of the biggest examples of that were the people that I found that I knew, that I liked, that I cared about, that I was, was friends with, who were Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. And that sounds very chintzy and political, but with what we're seeing now, yeah, um, I called a lot of this stuff, not the insurrection certainly, but I called them when when Trump was originally originally <laughs> declared he was going to run. And I said, stand by because you're going to be watching, watching the rise of uh, the equality to the attempts of Nazi Germany. Yeah. And you've seen the parallels all the way along. And now we know exactly how corrupt things were. Uh, and when I found that people I knew and cared about were Trump supporters and thought he had a good idea on a myriad of things mm-hmm. that I have spent my entire life fighting against, I was crushed. Yeah. I was really felt bad. And, and it's it's funny when you have expectations of people, fair, unfair, just kind of what it is. So I, I can certainly understand that. Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, you, you, you write these, you know, and I used to tell people all the time, that's the other thing, I say, don't write scripts. You know, somebody mm-hmm. says, well, I say, well, why don't you apply for the job? Oh, no, they probably have blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah. No, 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 no. That, I, that drives me crazy when people do that. Yep. Ask, go ask. You don't write the script because right. they haven't seen it. You know. Well, it's funny. So at work, some of my I, I have uh, 22 managers, six district managers who report to me, and a lot of times they're like, "I didn't want to bother you with this. I know your plate's full." And my response to them is always, mm-hmm. "Let me determine how full my plate is." Yeah. You know, right. you and your team. That's 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 my plate. Yeah. Anything yeah. else is inconsequential. So yeah, it, it's really interesting to to see people, but people who talk themselves out of doing anything. They have an idea, oh, no, well, they'll probably not do that. Because in my own business, 
Uh, and I, I, my business really was, in addition to just broadcasting, I had a consulting business, okay. a company called Dave Kane Ideas, and I would go to corporations and present them with a concept for promotion or marketing. No kidding. And I would give it to them yep. free and say, but you're going to pay me to execute it because I'm going to be the only one that knows how to do this successfully. Yep. Uh, but almost every time that I, I'd be driving by a company and I'd say, oh, you know what they ought to do, yada, yada, yada. If I picked up the phone and called them, almost without fail, whoever I finally got to talk to would say, that's so weird. We were just talking about doing that two yep. months ago, whatever. We, you know, we just had a meeting about this. And so not calling, not picking the phone up, not making it happen, and you lose out on so much. Yeah. And so I try to get people, don't talk yourself out of it. Right, right. Or, or I wouldn't know where to start. You start by picking the phone up and ask, where do I start? Well, I think just picking up the phone in general is so important. And that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned as I took my new role at work. It's before, it's like, we're all busy, email, email, email. Well, intent gets lost in text messages and yeah, emails. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the best way exactly. to do it is to pick up the phone. And, yeah. and I've seen that translate in to uh, my role as a counselor and it's it's the way you build relationships and it's the way you get on the same page and that's so important regardless what it is that you're doing yeah it's really cool because you know and, and what you just said what i said and you said uh pick up the phone and do it and it reminded me of, a, of an idea i have for the show i want to try to get as many people as i can or get as many ideas as i can about phrases that we used that had to do with the old days. Mm -hmm. Nobody picks up their phone anymore. They've already got it in their hand. Right, true. <laughs> great, great, right? great point. I used to do a joke about, like, with phones. I used to say, you know, there'll be a meeting of my fan club in the phone booth <laughs> on the corner. Right. The, there are no phone booths anymore. Right. You know? And all the references that we make. Yeah. Even a few years ago, I was watching um, clips of The Office uh, the other day because it yeah. absolutely kills me. And they're like, Dwight Schrute's like, and here's the white pages. I'm like, the white pages, my goodness. Exactly, you know? yeah, well, the yellow page, gone. Gone. Yeah, well, but yeah. it's funny, you talk about the phone, yeah. and one of the greatest, most satisfying feelings in the world is when you're getting in an argument or you just win an argument and you slam that phone down. You know, you can't do that now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a, yeah, I'm yeah. going to vehemently hit this button right yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How do you yeah. feel? Uh, you, you didn't hit the button, I can still hear you. That's <laughs> <laughs> so I used to say to people, see if this sounds like I'm hanging up. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Yeah. Like one of my first flip phones, and, and Amy and I talk about it all the time, is I loved my flip phone because, like, you could just take it and slam it in your fingers and hang up, you know? Well, all the things you can do in your life, all the references, it's really interesting, all of these references that you can make uh, that don't have anything to do with anything anymore. And the kids look at you like you got two heads. Yeah. You know, what? What is that meant? And I'm doing it all the time. I make some side joke. That would have been really funny about 1972, you know, maybe 64 would have been funny. <laughs> <laughs> now they're looking at me like, what? <laughs> Never mind. Well, yeah. even watching some some movies. So I was, I'm a kid of the 80s. I love the 80s. As a matter of fact, it's Christmas. I bought two uh, Christmas ornaments. Amy's like, you're, you're out of your mind, guy. I bought a He-Man <laughs> oh, yeah. and an Optimus Prime. You know, I'm oh, yeah. 45 years old buying toys for yeah, my Christmas yeah. tree. But yeah. Um, I was showing Ryan some of the movies, like Ferris Bueller, great movie, aged 
yeah. pretty well, actually. Oh, sure. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Naked Gun, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eh, not yeah. so much. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> you know? they're not funny anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but but he liked the Police Academy movies, so it's just it's funny. Some of the things that have aged well, some things that may not have. And what you and what, and the stuff that was it's funny. The stuff that was outrageous in those days, or wow, oh, I can't believe that. And now you look at it, you go, oh, my God, it's like a knock-knock joke. That, that's rated R, huh? It'll be a PG yeah, exactly. <laughs> in today's age. It'll be a P. P PG. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, so anyway, you, when you mentioned that. So I think that's probably, I mean, but of course my weakness has nothing to do with my flaws. I have tons and tons of flaws. And, uh, it's the flaws that build the character. call my wife and do that, but she'd fill the next two hours <laughs> <laughs> about all my flaws. And so... Um, I'm I'm really pleased that uh, we got a chance to have this time. Yeah, together. it's fun. Um, it was fun. Yeah, yeah it was fun. fun. And um, I know that uh, you, you're getting calls from <coughs> the misses. Not at all. Where are it you? It was a text message. Where are you? I understand. <laughs> oh, it was a text. It was a text. Message. Well, it's funny. So you're like, oh yeah, tell her thanks for listening. I'm yeah. like, yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> Lol. She's like, yeah, me and Ryan have been listening. I'm like, oh man, I'm in trouble. Well, that's a, that's <laughs> another. That's funny. You mentioned it about about text messages. I, I said to Joe yesterday, this is really good. If you're, it used to be, um, oh, gee, Dave, I, I, I'm, I, I got another call. I'll, I'll have to call you back or I'll hold on. A yep. On the cell phones, it's great. If you get another call, you, want, you really want to take and you don't want to go, you, I, I, you can just hit, kill it. And go. Oh, I must have lost. You. I must have lost. You. I must have I lost. I dropped you. you. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. It must be the area I'm in. I'm in a tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> you just told me you were home. Yeah. yeah my yeah. home's a tunnel. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. It's really funny. <laughs> it is funny. Yeah. One last question, if I may. Yeah. One famous person, you know, with us, not with us, that you would love to sit down and have a conversation with. Hmm. One person. I always love this this question. Hmm. I think. Well. I have so many questions, you know, the question about things you want to ask God. Yeah. You know, there are so many questions. Uh, and I think uh, the deity, um, whatever you call it, you yep. know, whether it's Jesus or God or Phil or whatever, <laughs> you know, um, because I, I've tried to figure everything out as much as I can for myself, and I'm completely clueless on yep. so much of this stuff. But, you know, you hear people say, well, if God is good and da-da-da, how come there are sick children? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know, of course, the answer to that, but I do know that the answer will make sense to me when the time comes. Yeah. You know, in Nikki passed, people said to us, uh, that's horrible. Um, how can that happen? How can God let that happen? You know, um, but we know and we've learned that this was the way Nikki's life was supposed to be. Your grandmother died at 94. My buddy Jerry passed at 89. Uh, Nikki was 18, but but he came uh, here to us, was given to us as a gift for 18 years, and we learned from that there is a reason for all of this and the residual of all of this 41 stuff and yep. everything is, is, is this was part of the, the, the job he had to yeah. do. And it's really helped us to accept what has happened. Yeah. We wouldn't have chosen it of course. if we got a chance to undo it. We, we may very well have done it, yep. certainly. 
but we didn't. And so you ha- that's where your faith comes in. Yeah. Um, having faith when things are going great is easy. It's yeah. when you're trying to figure out what is this about. But when you realize there is something about it, there is something to it that we don't know, that's where your faith comes in, and that's what helps you to survive. That's what it is. So I'd want to ask whoever this is or whatever this is, okay, explain to me why this was done yeah. this way. That's interesting. You know, yeah. uh, and, that's, and that's what we're holding out to wait for. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I believe, I mean, I don't know if I believe in a, in a physical deity anymore. Yeah. Uh, I definitely, for, for lack of a better expression, I think I believe that the force of good, because I have learned that there is more, great deal more force of good in the universes yeah. than there is evil, than there is bad, yeah. than there is negative. If it were not true, we would already be destroyed. True. We have a lot of things coming at us. We have a lot of things we don't know what's happening. Global warming, COVID, yeah. you know, whatever, how is your system, whatever. But, but when we learn and believe that there is something more to this right now, not tomorrow, not when you pass, when you passionless it, no, right now, we'll learn, we'll see, we'll get it. Yep. And, and we will realize that there is a great deal more good than bad in the universes. Yeah. And having faith in that and having the belief in that that's when I feel like I want to celebrate. Well, it's an interesting point because you're, you're 100% right. I mean, I think uh, there's a line in a Billy Joel song, the good old days weren't always good and tomorrow's not as bad as it seems. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's kind of along those same lines of, you know, there is a lot of good that goes on. And we're seeing that here locally. And um, n- good news doesn't sell newspapers. It doesn't sell, well, it, there's another, another one of the phrases, right? Doesn't sell newspapers. But yeah. It's the bad news. People inherently are drawn to, you know, all the stuff that you see in the news. And, you know, how often do you lead with, um, you know, local youth group leads mm-hmm. diaper drive yeah, and helps yeah, 100 yeah. families in need? Well, they're doing it now more. And I mean, they just did the thing with Norton. And is it Norton and the going green, the police going yeah, green? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, they'll, they'll be that stuff. But like I'm you said, one people national are, level yeah, yeah, but Yeah, but it's the same. I think it's the same thing. I think people don't. Broadcasting, yeah, well, you know. You know what I couldn't understand, uh, and I still don't? When people are found guilty of something, misdemeanors, whatever, and they're given community service as a punishment. (laughs) Now, let's think about this for a minute. That's it. Just that you're going to help somebody that's less fortunate. How do you like that for punishment? You're going to do what (laughs) some of us volunteer to do. Exactly. I mean, if it's a good thing, and it certainly is, but I mean, to we bridge it in the phrase of, because nobody, a lot of, not a lot, nobody, a lot of people don't want to participate. Right. You guys have a bunch of people coming for the food drive as an example. Yep. But there's a lot of people not there. Right. A lot of people not driving in. <clears throat> a lot of people not joining you. Uh, and so <laughs> this thing about, well, that's it. You're going to do a food drive. That's yeah. It, you know. Well, but you know what I'd like to think is that the hope is that by doing the community service, by inter- interacting and integrating yourself in a different situation you're not used to, it might trigger something to say, I can do this. 
when I'm done, and, and this is something I want to continue to do. So that's kind of the other side of it. But I think you're right, though. It's kind of like community service. And the community service, a lot of times, picking up trash on the, on the highway, yeah, which, which is important. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Sure, but, you know, you know and, and, well, we do what we can with what we got. In any event, uh, I want to thank you for uh, for coming in. This has been fun. It's been and, great. And uh, and uh, I, I promise I'd get you out of here sooner than I did. But I I think it's great to be able to to, to know more. And I'd like to be able to get um, the other counselors more of yeah. the other counselors to come in and talk and and let people get to know them a little bit because it's an investment they can make. Yep. And um, when people hear them on the air. It helps them for people to think, oh, well, this is this person's okay to deal with, and I can call this person, right? And I can speak with them because after they hear them on the air, there's a little piece of them that thinks they know them a little bit that they've already spoken to them, right? The phenomenon of being on radio works in that way a lot of times. And I'll get feedback from from residents, and you know, there are people that are like, oh, I, I heard you on. Uh, Dave Kane show, not Dominic's Dave Kane show. Um, and, you know, you were really great. And I like talking about that. And even uh, Dominic and I were talking on Christmas Eve. I spent some time with him here. And uh, there was listeners that were emailing in like, ah, oh, you know, there's a great back and forth between you guys. I think it, it personalizes us a little bit. You know, it shows that we're, we are people, too. We're not just. See, that's another thing. We, we say the government. Mm-hmm. We say, you know, oh, the government, blah, blah, blah. blah. Like it's some kind of uh, odd entity that, that right. nobody can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> like you think of like E.T., the government and E.T. Coming, yeah, you yeah, know? Come, yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's important, I think, to help everybody. And yeah. and, and uh, I'd like to see, um, you know, the other counselors come in and sit down and, and talk because the people that I've met yep. have been fine, you know. I mean, and I think I've treated them well. Yeah. I've tried to treat them well. I don't have a particular, um, you know, agenda right. because I don't I don't live here. I don't vote here. Uh, it doesn't stop me from having an opinion, of course. It doesn't stop me from having an opinion, right? <laughs> Especially stuff I know nothing about. Well, that that's where I have the most opinion. Yeah, well, stuff I think I you're pretty well versed, about. though, Dave. <laughs> you know, I think it comes down to what are people comfortable with. You know, it's it's. Easier for some people to just do the Tuesday night, you know, you're in, in, in what seems to be more of a controlled environment. It's not easy, you know, if you're not used to it. I went to school for communication. So, you know, this is kind of what I went to school for. So it's it's easy for me to come out and do this stuff. And people are like, oh, you sound like you're comfortable. And I'm like, well, I am, you know, and it's just conversation. And, you know, you and I talked off the air that um, you know, my first interview with you, it was it was uh, I don't want to say heated, but it was we had our oh, own contentious, opinions. Contentious, say, good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Like contentious words. I don't remember. Yeah, I, oh, I, mean, I, don't oh, remember I do. The, the, Amy remembers uh, it. I went home and I cried on the sofa for about two <laughs> hours. I'm like, why is this guy mean to yeah. me? But no, I mean, all joking aside, it, it's it's what we do. It's discourse. It's getting different opinions out there. It's hearing different opinions. And it's it's maybe looking at things a different way than, than maybe didn't before. So mm-hmm. it's it's. I think it's all good, but it comes down to what people are comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, it's certainly, uh, they obviously are comfortable with you, and uh, uh, I know your emails show it most of the time, and, and, and people talking about you, and, and uh, I'm glad that you and Cobus and the others have come on, even Hawk, even even Hawk, Hawkins, even Rep Hawkins. Hawks Crocs. I'm glad, I'm glad that they come on, because uh, 
uh, it does exactly what we're talking yeah. about. You know, it opens communication, even if it's just so somebody gets the feels comfortable walking up to you on the street and saying, right. "Yeah, it, it, we'll get stuck." It's it's um, funny. Heather Preaker and I used to joke, and we'd have kind of a running tally of um, if going to a stop and shop on a Sunday, how many people recognize you and stop. Oh, you, that's right. You, you had know? a little. They had a little. Uh, you know. uh, a competition there. Not know. really a competition, <laughs> but it was just kind of, uh, you know, but it's great. And we joked about it, but it's ex- exactly that, Dave. It's people are comfortable coming up to us because I think people like myself and when Heather was serving and Todd and, and so many of, of our peers, they know that if they come to us, even if we can't provide a solution, I'm never going to yes someone to death like, oh, I'll take care of that. Yeah, I'm yeah. up front. Hey, it's going to be tough, but Tell me why that's important. You. What yep. can I do to help? And yep. just keeping the lines of communication open. And if you're telling someone you're going to call them back, call them mm. back. Yeah. Now, Heather, just Heather, you talk about it. Is that uh, Heather uh, Perica? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Heather Perica. Yeah. Haven't uh, haven't seen her in a while. <coughs> she's, uh, haven't been. Well, haven't I been think around. she's actually out of town right Let's now. Check my uh, mail and see. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, it's okay because she used to come. Always bring Nosh. Yeah, something. you know, yeah. Uh, maybe her invite got lost in the mail. Uh, probably. You, you know, know how it is. Lost yeah. in the mail. Another one. Uh, another tweet I lost. Okay. You know. <laughs> Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Dave. I really appreciate great. it, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. All right. Keep up Bo- the good work, open. sir. I know I'm going to hear from you for about Feb five. So. Wait, doors open. You're always <laughs> telling me the door's locked. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, but. Thanks a lot. Take care, my friend. All right, great. Uh, Jay Delisio, president of the Attleboro City Council. And uh, and uh, a great, great time. Thanks very much for doing that. You and me on the radio until noontime today uh, at, at, um, at 11 o'clock this morning. I'm going to be giving a call to Bob Perlow. Bob Perlow is a comedian who, uh, who I think we've had him on before. And uh, he's uh, written a book about his work as a stand-up. Uh, they did warm-up for shows like uh, like The Tonight Show and... and uh, a whole bunch of others that we'll talk about. and uh, But he's coming on uh, to talk about Bob Saget and what he does. And uh, we'd love to have you uh, join us for that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, would you please introduce yourself, sir? Um, so I was leaving the studio, checking my phones. I received a text message from my wife. Uh-oh. It was 1041 when you started talking about Nikki. <laughs> Was it? I'll leave you on that note. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, my heavens. Oh, that's terrific. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Thank you. Right. 508-222-1320. 508-222-1320. Jay came back to, to tell me that. That's great. Thank you, Amy, for noticing that and for letting Jay know. That's terrific. Appreciate it. Um, I like Amy. You know, Delicia, right? You know, But Amy, I like. Uh, and Ryan, he and I are pals. 508-222-1320, the telephone number to call. As I started to tell you, my friend Bob Perlow is going to be on, and we're going to be talking about Bob Saget, uh, who passed also this week. Uh, and um, very interesting stuff that we can chat about. And uh, he sent me a, a, um, a, a, Vimeo, a, a video rather of, of Bob, that he, something he had sent to, to Bob Perlow. We'll talk about that. Uh, and uh, this morning I've been playing Click Clack, one of the lots of hits that Jerry Granahan had. Jerry Granahan was a producer uh, 
and a singer and a writer and and um, he was a creator of a lot of great musical groups like the Fireflies and um, and the Angels and he produced stuff for Patty Duke and and, and several other talents uh, musical talents and and or even TV stars that weren't talents like Patty Duke. And um, he produced uh, Jay Black's Caramia Mine, Jay and the Americans. He produced that that song. And uh, he's just a nice guy. He's from Rhode Island. Well, he wasn't from Rhode Island, but he lived in Rhode Island when I met him, and he had been there for a lot of years. And, um, and uh, he passed this week, and uh, he was uh, interred this morning. And uh, I just wanted to take some, some time to talk about Jerry because he was, um, he had a lot of really interesting stories to tell. I've, I've interviewed him several times, and, and you know, some of the stories, I mean, even though I had heard them before, because I had a new audience, of course, I asked him to tell them again, and they were always fresh, and then he'd have something else he'd remember, and he'd say, oh, 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 you know, I forgot about this one, and he'd tell that, that kind of stuff. So Jerry Granahan uh, passed age of 89, good for him. He beat the system. Uh, and uh, I want to thank him for everything he's done while on this side and can't wait to see what he's going to offer us from the other side. And uh, as I said this morning, uh, we'll uh, speak with uh, Bob Perlow about Bob Saget and other stuff on their mind. Donna has taken the day off. And... Um, I'm sure she'll probably be back next. Week. And it's really weird, you know. And then we had, uh, we also had uh, Ronnie Spector from the Ronettes, and of course she was married to that crackpot uh, Phil Spector. Had a terrible, frightening situation in her marriage with him. Finally, was able to get out before something happened to him. And if you remember, Phil F Spector was found guilty of killing a woman in his house and uh, went to prison and, and died in prison. And uh, now Ronnie uh, Spector passes at the age of 78. Good for her. She was able to come back and have a really terrific career. People loved her voice and uh, loved the story about her too because uh, it was quite something. Uh, yeah. So it's you and me until noontime again today. And uh, let me see. Rafferty was on this morning for Elaine. And uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to Tom as much as I, I usually like to. Things were kind of rushed around this morning. So maybe I'll catch up with him down the road. I planned to kind of have him hang out a little bit, but uh, that didn't work out too good because he had stuff going on. So um, that's what I'm doing here, uh, and I invite you to um, to stay with us. And on the other side of the hour, we'll uh, I'll call Bob Perlum. He's in the Florida down there, and um, so it's been a busy week. It's been a busy week, and um, it's very cold outside. I mean, it was real uh, button up to your teeth out type weather outside this morning. I had to you know, do the remote start from my car so I could get into the ice cube that had formed uh, over, the <laughs> over the vehicle. 
but it did. Uh, it was warm enough, thank goodness. Running it for a while, I was warm enough to uh, be able to um, get here without, uh, you know, having my tongue freeze to the roof of my mouth. So, you know, I'm, I'm guessing it'll be warm. At, I'm hoping it'll be warm tomorrow. And I and I've also heard, and I don't know. Well, we got we got some weather. Hold on. I'm gonna say, oh uh, yeah, high's gonna be about 19 degrees today. Huh? Yeah. Some sunshine, some clouds. Well, it might, might no, it might finally get to thirty today. Get to thirty. That's well, that's great. And then uh, there's supposed to be whew, there's supposed to be a um, a snowstorm coming too. So the snowstorm will be another way to for us to celebrate the winter. <clears throat> you know what I mean? All right, love it. All right. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back on the other side, we'll have Bob Perlow. And then um, at, at noontime today, I realize that uh, the people from Four Deep Sports will be here, the kids that come in, and I have to make sure I'm sitting on my wallet because you don't know these punks come in. They don't know. And uh, <laughs> they'll be doing their own show, of course, at noontime. Uh, and it's great to hear and to see, uh, especially the adults that – uh, make sure these kids get some opportunity, not only for sports, but to be on the radio. They're producing their own show, which is really, really terrific. And uh, I commend them for it. And uh, not that my opinion means anything, is you know, especially the kids. Kids don't like me at all. I don't know why either. Always so nice to them. <clears throat> well, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I should say. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Final hour, Candy Company. You and me on the radio till noontime today. I want to say good morning, good morning to all police and fire personnel, civil servants, health care employees, and good old number 41. Huh? All right. These are the Ronettes led by uh, Ronnie Spector, of course. Ronnie passed this week. One of several people who passed. And uh, my friend Jerry Ganahan and uh, Ronnie Spector. And um, another p person who passed was, of course, comedian Bob Saget. And um, I want to see if we can't uh, get a little bit of information about Bob. And I'm going to call my friend Bob Perlo. Uh, he's in Florida, and I'm going to talk to him about Bob Saget. If we get him on the telephony, so you stay tuned, and we'll find out, all right? Let me see if I can do this. Da, da, da. One, eight, one, eight. Uh huh. Hold on a second. Ba, ba. Can't do that. I can't. I can't do that. Oh my! All right, hold on a minute. Ba, ba. Nah. Let me try this again. Hold on a minute. I'm having a problem here, as usual. All right. Uh, bum, 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 bum. Up. Oh. He was killing on me. <laughs> Four, five zero eight two 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 thirteen twenty telephone number to call. Let me see if I can try this again. I'm having a problem getting this to do what I want it to do. Bum 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 bum. Okay, that should do it. Let's see if that happens. Bum 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 bum. Mm hmm. Not going through. That works. 
Hmm. Okay. Doesn't seem to be going through here. Hello. Hi. I know. I didn't give you the number to call back on. All right. Um, let me give you the number to call back on. Okay. Uh, it's five zero eight two 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 thirteen twenty. Okay, great. All right, bye. Oh, there goes. There's Bob. Okay. I'll find out what's going on with that. I've only been in broadcasting for, I don't know, about 16 years. Nothing, nothing serious. It's okay. It's nothing I can't, I can't figure out. <laughs> Bob Perlow is going to be up, and he's going to be giving us a call, and we're going to be talking about uh, Bob Saget when that happens. He has my cell number. And I gave him the other number, and believe it or not, um, here we are. There he is. Yeah, here I am. How are you? Uh, Bob Perlow is on the air with us now, and uh, we I was trying to do this. For some reason, my board wasn't cooperating. Uh, and uh, so tell me now, first of all, uh, tell everybody for, uh, who may not know who you are, and I don't know who wouldn't, Bob, Who of course. I don't understand, give me Bob. The names of these people. I, yeah. want, I want names and numbers. We'll give you a, a, right, exactly. We we'll give you email addresses too, and uh, get, get them straightened out. Now, you have, first of all, you have a book out that, that came out. Tell me about your book. Yeah, it's called. It's called for what I did for thirty-five years in Hollywood, called the warm-up guy, and for a lot of people that don't know. Every TV show that's on usually has a studio audience. You see, live before a studio audience. Well, I'm the guy who had to placate them, make them laugh, make them at ease for the full three hours that they sit for a uh, sitcom. Now, wait a minute, Bob. Come on. Don't exaggerate. These are only half-hour sitcoms. Now, what what are you saying three hours for? Fifteen minutes, I meant. What did I say? Three hours? Yeah. I wish it was only three hours. Sometimes it was... Uh, well, you know what? It was mostly four to five hours, and the exceptions would not be less. They'd be more. Like, uh, my, my, the main thing I say with that is friends took between seven and eight hours to do. Wow. Because there's, there's, there's redos, there's flubbing, there's uh, uh, planned... Uh, little breaks that the crew has to take, so all of that goes into the to the making of a sitcom. And and so your job was to kind of keep the party going while all the stuff is happening. Is that it? Yeah. Uh, it, it, well, it was a little more complicated than that because if you just kept the party going, sometimes shows they have a, a sweet moment or a sad moment, and if you get them too riled up, it goes against what the the response that the producers would want from the show. Right. So you go, okay, and you change your voice. You go, hey, okay, folks, remember, Ted left to go, and he never came back. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, go, you go, action, and you go, oh, and you hear the audience go, oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that was just part of your job, and then you had to, to be able to entertain them, be able to make them laugh. And, and now, did you have a standard stand-up that you did originally, or to open up, did you do a standard thing? Or No, no. no. That, that was one of the reasons why 
I worked so much and so long is because a lot of uh, comics, stand-up comics, uh, they didn't do that well doing warm-ups because you couldn't do a standard joke. I mean, comics have a half hour, maybe an hour's worth of material, and once they were done with that, they were floundering around. Me, having no material, because I was not a stand-up, I could go on forever. It was just more or less schmoozing with the audience and keeping them in happy and you know, having them not realize that they've been there for four hours. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. great. Yeah. So you'd be really exhausted when this was over, I'm guessing. You'd right. Re- <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, it, it was exhausting. People go, oh, you're so lucky. All you do is make jokes for your life. You go, mm. No, it was a very uh, precise thing you did, mm. even though it was, it was mm. loose. So the talk yeah. shows were easier. The Tonight Show was easier, say, than... Full House or something, right? Oh, a million times easier. Uh, the talk shows, especially the Tonight Show, uh, and uh, I did that for 15 years, was just at the top of the show. So it was 15 minutes because it was live to tape, as they say. So there was no mistakes, and Jay would just do the show and uh, goodbye after an hour. And I would do the, the top 15 minutes. Yeah, it was a different animal. Totally. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Now, um, I, w- I was reading the other day that, that Jay used to come out before the show started. Uh, is that what most hosts did or not? I don't know. I, was, I, I didn't see other shows. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I heard Letterman came out, but Letterman was a, a, different, uh, a different guy than Jay. He was not as warm and friendly. I heard he was, hey, folks, good to see you. And Jay would take pictures when he came out. Yeah, the order was the audience would be there for an hour beforehand. And then Jay would come out probably at five, ten minutes past five in the afternoon. He would do five minutes in his typical uh, jean shirt and jeans and take some Polaroids with people. Then he would leave to change into his suit that would be my time to come on so it would take him 10 to 15 minutes and that's when i would talk that, that's when i would really get them riled up because you want that high energy open when jay came out if you notice everyone stood up and clapped and they would come to the stage the lip of the stage oh yeah right shake, yeah yeah he'd shake hands yeah so yeah it was a, it was a different thing he couldn't do that for the uh sitcoms it was totally no, different of yeah, yeah. kind of dangerous to, to allow the audience to get up there like that isn't it you didn't have no idea if you have some kind of nut burger there or something what, you know it, that was kind of kind of my uh part of my job is to as i'm talking and as i'm doing it was to take a look to see if there was anybody crazy and in in 15 years i only had to have them remove one person because you could tell this guy's going to either grab his hand and not let go, just you know, you, you, you could almost see it in their action. Now, how so, did you know? How did you know that though? I, I, I'm interested in uh, how you, per- you pursued that. You perused that. It was just almost a sixth sense after 35 years of dealing with audiences. Yeah, yeah. You get you get a sixth sense. I go, you know, this guy, and he had a front row seat, which was even it would double the the situation. I go, you know what? 
it seems like you don't want to be here. Would you mind leaving? Because you can't confront them because then it would bring the whole energy of the room down. So you, you, don't want to, you had to do it. You had to throw them out in a nice way. I go, you know what? You'll, we have some food for you in the green room. I think you're going to eat. You'll see the show. You know, I had to do it on the microphone because, you know, I'm on stage. I'm talking yeah. to the microphone. Yeah. You'll have so much fun there. Right, folks? Yeah. And you have the audience on your side. Yeah. Yeah. And so did would security come in and just walk them back or you or who did that? Yeah, since it was the only time, it was rare. It wasn't like there was yeah. something set oh, up yeah, to yeah. do it. I go, I go. You know what? Hey, Bill, come here. How, show this guy where the food is. And a guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. a right. cop, would right. show him where the food was. So sure. it was, it was, it was a d- difficult and uh, potentially, di- you know, yeah, real difficult yeah. situation that we took care of. I don't know if you ever heard this story, uh, but the Tonight Show when Carson was on. There was one of these stories that, that never really happened, but everybody saw it happen. There was allegedly a guy that came out of the audience and ran up to the desk. And um, Ed McMahon, a former Marine pilot, stood up and, and blocked the guy and stopped him, and they got him. And this was a, something that never happened. But everybody will tell, not everybody, but people told stories saying they, they were watching the night that happened. And it it's almost like the, I think it's up to a million and a half people that were at the, the game where Will Chamberlain scored 100 points. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah kind of weird. But, but you don't want to be in the one place that did happen, do you, <laughs> when, when you're standing uh, uh, with a guy that uh, got lunch. Did he, did he ever get dinner, by the way, or did they just walk him out? I want to know if he got. No, we, we put him in the green room because he was with other people. Oh yeah, you know people don't people don't go to the show alone usually. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you know we had to do a bad thing in a good way. Yeah, great. Yeah. Now you the yeah. uh, we talked about I mean, the last time you and I spoke uh, on the air was um, you were talking about your pal from the sitcom whose name just went out of my head. Um, Oh, um, I can't think of his name now. Oh, uh, from, uh, um, I can't think of his name. You're going to know who Alan I mean. Thick. Huh? Alan Thick. There you Alan No, Thick. no, not Alan Thick. Um, he wasn't a real pal. He was upset with you because you had not. Oh, uh, Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Oh, God, forgive me. Yeah. Tim Allen. Yeah. Tell me about the Tim Allen story because, because this is, I found this really interesting. Yeah, it sticks out in my mind as something that happened in my life rather than just in show business. Cause I was so proud of the fact that in 35 years I was never fired except once. And that was on home improvement. And it, it was bizarre because they hired me for the season because the producers, you know, I had a pretty good reputation and I, I was coveted, you know, in a way yeah. for, odd, yeah. for an odd profession. And one time, and and doing so many sitcoms, you have, you know, a couple of bad ones, a few really great ones, but mostly good ones. Otherwise, I wouldn't have worked that, that much for so long. One night, and again, I was hired for the complete season on Home Improvement, um, Everything is working. This is, I, I said, good, great, and bad. This was one of the great ones. 
by great doesn't mean that I was killing. It means that I was doing great. I had them involved in the show, which is the most important thing. That's why you have the job. And everything, the, the synchronicity of what I was doing was just great. It was a great night. The audience was with me. They were into the show. Go, folks, you're doing great. And they were laughing at what I was doing. Big laughs. And just in, in if you could, uh, in your mind, I'm in the audience, facing the audience. And behind me is the set for home improvement. That's where the action takes place. So as I'm facing the audience and getting great response, waiting for the actors to finish doing makeup or running their lines, this was three scenes into the show, so things were going very well. And all of a sudden, I hear from the stage, hey, and right away, I knew it wasn't a good hey. A good hey is, hey, <laughs> this was not one of those. This right, was, yeah. Hey, it was a bad hey. So I... And I recognized the voice. It was Tim Allen. So he said, hey, another bad hey. I go, oh, hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's Tim who's giving us the show. It's some you know, there's a show going down here, too, you know. I go, whoa. I didn't say, oh, yeah, and it's a great one, blah, blah, blah. You know, again, everything was working well, but this one big laugh that I get, he was. I found out later. He was in the makeup chair and he heard the big laughs coming. He goes, "The warm-up guy's getting all those laughs." Well, I'll show. he was upset because I was getting big laughs, which was un- uh, unbelievable because that was my job. That's exactly and, right. Yeah. And, oh, and I was fired the next day. Wow! <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yep. And what reason did they give? Did they tell you it was because of Tim? Uh. It, yeah, uh, Tim's not happy with you. They didn't have to give many other reasons. I yeah, mean, you know, right. who's the, the the lead in the show? If they're not happy with you, you're gone. Sure. You know. Yeah. But like yeah. I said, I worked on hundreds of TV shows, different shows, thousands of times over 35 years, and that's the only one that I was let go from. Now we're talking with uh, Bob Perlo, and Bob, of course, as you realize now, is was very instrumental in making sure that the audiences that you heard... Now, it's funny because a lot of the audience laughter that you hear in some of these sitcoms are sweetened by people who are long past. They lifted the the audio from old radio shows, the laughter from old radio shows to sweeten. But your job is to make sure they got genuine laughs and they were in a good mood to be able to deliver what they needed for the sitcom. Oh, yeah, and... and it- Shows in the performance. It, if a if a show is flat, and there are plenty of flat shows, and I, I watch TV today and I go, I can't believe this is even on TV. Yeah. Um, if a show is flat, uh, you'll you'll hear crickets. And no matter what I can do as a warm up guy, you can't make people laugh. You Line can control dice. them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to laugh, but if there's no jokes, they ain't laughing. So that's when that's when they use the canned laughter, and right. they, and it, it and it, it's it's you can hear the artificial nature of it, like we just said. Yeah, you get the feel, tough. sure. Yeah. Now yeah. you've also had to you know when they've had to redo lines. I'm guessing you've had to say to the audience, "Look, could you give them a <laughs> could could you laugh like you're hearing it for the first time?" Do you ever do that to them? Did you ever? Oh God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a pretty standard 
panel with that. I go, folks, we're going to do the scene again. And you did so great that first time. But please try to remember where and how you laughed. Because we have to match it up if we use one and a portion of the other. So if you went, <laughs> you, went <laughs> you have to do the same <laughs> yeah. again. So oh, again, you know, just, oh, that's funny, bud. but yeah. again, the laughter is never, never the same the second or third time through, or in the case of Friends, the fourth and fifth time, and the and the producers would always go to me. They go, "Hey, how come they're not laughing?" And in my mind, I'm going, "Why?" Because it's the fourth time they heard the joke. Yeah, yeah. And and exactly. To them, I go. I think the mic was was a little bit off on that one because yeah. they don't <laughs> want to hear that. No, really, they don't want to hear that. Yeah, and I know. Yep, absolutely. Oh. I understand. I, and it's it's interesting because now, um, aside from that moment with Tim Allen, had you had any interaction with him before that? Did he bother no, you? At all? No, no, none whatsoever. Uh, the producers said, "Oh, we're so happy we got Bob Rillo. You know, I had a good reputation at the time, and they, they, you know, I was free for that Wednesday night for the season, so they booked me for the whole season." But Tim, you know, I, I never and, until I w- went to the show. I, I never even knew him. Nope. Yeah, yeah. Now, how, how about somebody? Give me a give me a nice story. Give me a story about somebody you worked with that uh, you thought was really terrific. Bob Newhart. Ah. Uh, eight eight years, and as sweet and lovable a guy as yeah, I couldn't wait to do the show. I mean, it was great. You know, when you say that. You ask for one. For the most part, everyone, you know, that's why it made it a great job. I became good friends with Alan Thicke, like I mentioned earlier, from Growing Pains. We were buddies until his passing, uh, going on five years now. Uh, Laverne and Shirley, Mark and Mindy. I mean, they were all fun. You know, they were, for the most part, most leads on TV shows knew how how lucky and privileged they were to have a TV show. You know, they came from obscurity or stand-up or or just local plays, and um, lightning struck, and they became rich and famous, totally rich and famous overnight. And they were, for the most part, happy to be there. And how but lucky new, they new, were to have you as a warm-up, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you believe... Yes, they were. <laughs> no, I was. Hey, Dave, trust me. I felt every time I did one. Boy, am I lucky to be here? Oh, sure. Be- yeah, I was. I was thrilled. No, I, I didn't say they're lucky to have me go. I'm lucky to have this job and to do it for so long. I, I was just thrilled. I, I, I thank God every day. Go, wow, this is a great job. I'm so lucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when when you you know having done stand up, I know. Um, it, it's a people don't realize how tough a job it is, do they? I mean, it's first you got to write it, and then you got to perform it, and then you got to make it come alive, right? No, <laughs> okay. I never did it. I never did stand up. That's right. That's right. I know, I but I, so I have no idea. And warm up, like like we do, have just been talking about, is a different animal, which is why. Stand-ups didn't do well. I mean, occasionally some shows would hire stand-up, and they'd be great for the first 40 minutes, 
And then they go, what happened? The guy, he ran out of material. Now what? I didn't have, yeah, yeah. I didn't have any material, so I didn't run out of it. But you, you, you got your gig in a very odd way. I mean, you weren't, you weren't looking for this, right? I mean, were you playing pool with somebody? No. Oh, that's how you got paddle the writers. Tennis. That's how you got paddle the writers' tennis. gig, right? No, paddle tennis was the sport. Oh, paddle tennis. Yeah, in in Venice Beach, California, playing with a friend I met just in L.A. And as we're playing, he's going, yeah, you're funny. You want to be a writer? I go, sure. <laughs> and he goes, okay, listen, I'm about to be named as the producer of Laverne and Shirley, and I think you'd be great. I go, all right. And I was a tour guide at the time. I was taking tour buses up and down the coast of California, giving tours of California. And he said, yeah, I think you'd be a good writer. I go, okay. And by and the, the next Friday, I was driving up to the, the gates of Paramount Studios, going to my office on Paramount. So that's how, how crazy it was that I, I even got into the business. Now, when you get in there, okay, you walk in the office the first day, and they sit you down and they say, what? Okay, give us something funny. What? What happens? Pretty much. It was like, okay, funny boy, because... <laughs> my my friend, no, this was odd. My friend hired me, and he was the producer, but there were five producers, and they, they were all vying for a spot. They want to be executive producer. They want to run their own show. So the guy that hired me, Mark, you go, this is my friend Bob, and he's funny, and then you get into the writer's room, and it was almost like a jungle. They're, like, eating their young, and, and they go, <laughs> Oh, let's see Mark's boy. Let's see how funny it is. And I would, you know, go and you'd pitch. Pitching means, oh, I got an idea for a joke. How about if Laverne comes in and then Squiggy goes, hello, Laverne. What are you doing? You know, and then silence. And then that that drives you into a hole that you don't dig out of. And, (laughs) And occasionally Mark, the guy who hired me, his nemesis was another producer who said oh so you hired your friend and after a week which i wasn't really pitching because you know it would make fun of you it was it was it was terrible he actually came in they had a t-shirt made up that that i had to put on and said i'll be funny soon and Ah. if that didn't if that didn't drive me into a a whole lot of luckily his boss, Mark and, and Chris's boss, was Gary Marshall, the great Gary Marshall, who created Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, The Odd Couple, then movies like Pretty Women, uh, just, just, you know, a, a, a great show business story and a great man. One day during the uh, a taping of Laverne and Shirley, he turned to me and said, Bob, the audience is a little dead tonight. Why don't you go talk to them? And that changed my life. That was the beginning of my warm-up career. And I, from that point on, that, that's what I did. So I, the writer's room that I was so bad in, I didn't need that anymore. So uh, I became a full-time warm-up guy. Wow. And, and one fell through. And you did, obviously you did well that night and several nights after that with them. Yeah, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't it wasn't a career when I did it. I I, I kind of and you know 
word has it from every warm-up guy that is working today, I kind of created the warm-up job as something you you could do just you know by itself as a career because I then started to hire myself out to other shows and I go, well, we only pay $25 to one of our writers. And then I would say, well, you know what? Try me one night. You go, how, how much? I said, $300. They go, no, 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 not in a million years. I go, okay, I'll do it for free. And they go, oh, that sounds better. And then after, if there's a difference, then we'll talk about money. And I made sure there was a difference. So I yeah. kind of incrementally, you know, raised the price. It made it something you could you could do full time. And when you and when you and when you uh, retired from it, uh, would you get it up to? That's when I came back to to Rhode Island. Actually, I, you know, I worked from nineteen seventy seven to two thousand ten without break. No, I meant I meant your fee. How would would you get your fee up to from three hundred? I got it up to three hundred and. Fourteen dollars. So, <laughs> no, you know what? At, when I left, it was uh, closing in on forty five hundred a night. Yeah, well, I would think so. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, you know what the the expression is: the first one's always free, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, like, <laughs> hey, well, take a puff of this. Yeah, yeah. Free. Free. yeah, the first one's free. Want more? Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I, I took, actually, I, I made that work for me. I go, the first one is free. See if it makes a difference. And I knew it would because I, I had a gamut that I used, which was, hey, folks, you see the stars of the show and, and Mark and Mindy, Robin and, and, and Laverne and Penny, but you don't get to see the writers and producers. Well, tonight. I'd like you to stand up and and give them a round of applause because they're the unsung hero, uh, you know, big, big, big platitudes and music that would swell. And they don't, they never received this before. So they go, yeah, we'd like to pay $300 to hear someone say our name. <laughs> sure. Of course. Yeah. Now, um, so many of these people, I mean, uh, Squiggy, of course, he passed from, uh, was it, was it, well, it was M S. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, and um, and of course Shirley's gone. I mean, uh, Laverne Penny. is. Uh, yeah, Penny's gone now. Uh, passed away, and and Gary too. I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah. Gary passed. Um, but all of these great memories and and things that happened. Um, but you found that most of these people were appreciative of what they did. I'd say. Ninety-five percent uh, were thrilled to be doing what they were doing, thrilled to make the kind of money they were, loved the fame. And, uh, speaking about that, my, my good friend Alan Thick, he was one of the best celebrities that there was going. And by that, I mean anybody who – and you know who's in, in that also? Jay, Jay Leno. Uh, the two of them – I would be with them socially uh, for for years with all of them. I'd go back 50 years with Jay, who who now lives in Newport. But they know how to uh, be nice and quick about, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do a picture. Take the picture. Yeah, good, thank you, and move on rather than confront. No, I'm not shaking. You know, it takes longer to be a jerk than it does to be a nice guy. Sure. And the people... 
and it compounds itself. The people who see Jay or saw Alan after the the the, the, uh, the meeting, they would tell a hundred people what a nice guy he was. And if they weren't nice, like a Sean Penn, who's known for being such a jerk to people, uh, they would tell a thousand people what a jerk he was. So it, it takes less time to be nice and and just, you know, burnish your, your reputation for, for sure. years to come. Of course. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons, of course, I called you, I've been wanting to get you back on anyway for a while to talk about what you did. And uh, and your your one man show you've got now, um, talking about. Uh, tell me about that. Is that based on the book? It, yeah, it's based on the book uh, times ten because I have a chance to go into depth of the the uh, the people I met and the circuit of what we've just been talking about. But times ten with all of the shows I worked on because I luckily and and just just by accident I said I would love to have pictures of me with all of the people I've met just for my own scrapbook, so to speak. And now I have videos and photos that I use in my show. And then I stop and give my stories about what we did. So yeah, the show is, is a chronicles my life in, in show business. Excellent. We're doing it June 10th at the courthouse uh, near URI. Uh, I, I, June t- yeah. June 10th at the courthouse. Uh, down, uh, you said down at URI, and uh, yeah. now you've been there before, and uh, you you enjoy uh, telling these stories, I guess, huh? Yeah, you know, you know what? It, it, when I stop to think about what I do, it's uh, looking back. It's I've worked on, in show business for three quarters of my life, and now for this quarter, I'm, uh, I'm talking about it. So it's it's a whole full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, um, are you finding out at all? And this is just uh, thinking about this. When you're talking about some of these sitcoms have been off the air across a while, and and do you, have you are you starting to run into people now and saying Full House? What was that? You know, or or uh, Laverne and Shirley? I don't think I ever saw that. Have you run into any of that stuff yet? How about I, I used to work on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Go who? <laughs> oh, is that right? Go. We could go even, even, yeah. Especially with, with the way that, uh, not even kids, but yeah. people in their four, uh, view shows on on streaming devices. They, they don't remember who Jay was. You know, they see him on. They well, Jay's a bad example because he's been. He has kept himself in the limelight. Yeah, I, but I know what you mean because I, I being on the uh, here, I'll I'll book a, a guest. I booked a guest here, the Ernest Thompson, who wrote on Golden Pond. And I said to somebody over here, "Hey, listen, I'm going to have the you know he uh, Ernest Thompson. Who's that? Well, he wrote on Golden Pond. What's that? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our history and their history is are totally different. My friend Mark. Who I, I talked about earlier, who's hired me for the first job. Yeah, his last job was on Golden Girls. Oh yeah! But wow, yeah. That has a whole different feel to it because people still love and it's still on Golden Girls. Laverne and Shirley, you cannot find Mark and Mindy. Who's the boss? We, I was a writer on Who's the Boss. These shows you have to really dig if you want to see them. 
Golden Girls is is the the different one because it's on all the time. Yeah, the reruns have really helped a lot. These people have found a whole new careers on on reruns by you know seeing kids that that like their stuff, little kids. That, yeah, you know, it, and, and plus another thing that keeps them really in the in the spotlight or limelight is all of these uh, conventions they have now. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Comic- yeah, the Comic Con stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. And now, as I started to say, you know, I've had you on before, and I wanted to have you on again, but uh, this week Bob Saget passed, and uh, I know he was a pal of yours, and I wanted to salute him and give you a chance to. Tell us more about him. And I'll tell you straight out, in the beginning, uh, I mean, way back, uh, I loved his work, uh, of course, on TV. Uh, But then I had heard of and exposed to his stand-up, and it was so different. Um, (laughs) God, unbelievable. Huh? Yeah. And so I just, you know, let's talk about Bob Saget, the guy, because, boy, the the reviews on his life are, are terrific. Talk to me about you and him. He's got more of a positive uh, eulogy of love than Nelson Mandela had. (laughs) No, it's 100%. Nobody, and I I see we have a lot of uh, uh, mutual friends on Facebook, and everybody to to a person says, oh, my encounter with Bob, he was so great. Um, well, I've known him. I go back to 1980 with Bob. On uh, he he actually did warm up on a show called Buds and Buddies. People go, "What's Buds and Buddies?" Well, it was Tom Hanks. Yeah, that was his first sitcom. That's so right. That, That's right. Yep. His, his only sitcom. No. So he was uh, one of the few. Remember. Uh, as I was talking uh, just a little bit earlier, how I said comics couldn't do sitcoms because they'd run out of material. Bob was one of the very few stand-up comics who could do a sitcom because he was so quick, off the cuff, and he could talk. So, uh, again, we, we we go back, was it, 41 years now. So, yeah, I've known him for a long time. But 41, like, huh? Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, back to one... Uh, 1980, when he did, yeah, I was in preparation for talking to you. I go, well, let me see how far back we go. So it's been a long, long time. But the platitudes that we've seen this past week, you see for kings and and luminaries that are beloved popes. I mean, nobody has a bad word to say about Bob. Just a great, great guy. Well, tell me about him, your experience with him. Well, we, because we, obviously we go so far back, we were uh, friends for, for a long, long time. It was one instance, I, I, I told Bob this on his show last year, um, we were at a, a, a birthday party, probably mid-80s, late-80s, and his, he would, had three daughters, and I said, you know, Bob, Bob would, would love this. Like, I went up to one of his daughters who was 14, and I was probably in my 50s. I go, do me a favor. Go up to your father 
and say, Dad, this guy wants to take me to a movie. I, I think he's hitting on me. So what should I do? So uh, I do it. And she went up to him. Dad, he came over to me. Bob, what are you doing? She's 14 years old. <laughs> Obviously, being being a comic, he got the joke. He knew I wasn't hitting on her. Yeah. But and then also two years ago, uh, the, uh, a production company is doing a documentary on on my life and on the book, and they said, "Can you get any friends to uh, to do to say something on camera?" So uh, got Jay, uh, Jason Alexander, the, the great late Fred Willard. I go, can you get Bob Saget? I go, you know, you hate to ask favors like this. For a guy to give up time and go to the studio and do do a half hour. So I said, I hate imposing on this. But uh, finally I said, all right, I'll call him. And all he said was, of course, where and what time? And he came in and did probably a half hour of, of uh, filming for, for my documentary. So I'm, I'm thrilled with you know, our, our friendship and miss him like hell. It's, it's a big, big shock. There was no preparation for what we, we saw this past Monday. I mean, it was like, Hey, uh, you know, I got a call from Alan's brother, Todd, who was the one that told me, he goes, you hear what happened? Bob passed away. I go, I'm thinking of people old, but Bob sure. Newhart, you know, yeah. you know, that's because you you know he wasn't sick. He was, there was no preparation for that, so it, it was a full on oh my god. And and like most people that knew him, it was like oh what a tragedy. Jesus, hmm. awful. I found and, it. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. Yeah, real quickly. Cause I, no, I no, not I, quite, take your time. Take your time. Okay, I was uh, a writer on Full House in addition to doing. I was on Full House for eight years. So, again, uh, that was something that just flew by my mind because it was mostly our friendship. But I was a writer on his show for eight years and actually wrote the episode called The Big 3-0, which was Bob's 30th birthday. So, again, coincidentally, you know, this is uh, 35 years ago, but it, it was his birthday episode. So kind of meant something sure sure and and when when you you wrote this for him um uh, not having seen the the the, um the episode um was he pleased Uh, he was obviously pleased with your work it got aired but i mean were you able do you think to write something special because of how close you were even then uh i you, you, it doesn't work like that because when you do a sitcom, it gets written, then rewritten, then rewritten. So what? And even if you're on staff, uh, it, it's jokes by committee. So what you write usually doesn't really translate to the screen. It's a, goes into the writing staff and gets rewritten, which goes back to when "I'll Be Funny Soon" came up. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm just wondering yeah. if maybe something you had written. Had a little bit of a you know um, behind the scenes inside baseball stuff that you might have tried to try to get in uh, into the not, in, yeah not for that because you were writing for the character not for Bob so we, what would Danny Tanner which was his character oh no right yeah 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 so yeah. You, you couldn't put anything uh, personal into it because it had to 
you had a right to the character. Mm-hmm. Sure, of course. Uh, and so now you're doing, you've got the book out, and you're doing the one-man show. Um, are you enjoying your, uh, I guess, kind of retirement? It's kind of a retirement, right? It is kind of a retirement, because I wrote the book in retirement, doing the show in retirement, keep, keep up with, with everybody. Matter of fact, I'm going to be going to L.A. next week. Uh, the uh, creator of Full House is having a birthday party, so uh, the Stamos will be there and Candace, and it'll be like, you know, almost like a salute to Bob. Sure. That'll be next, next weekend. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Now, but how about just... Again, go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to ask you, how about the um, the uh, documentary? Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, uh, I was approached. It's, it's nothing that I'm doing by uh, some friends who I worked with on a, a morning show that nobody remembers. And this was uh, in 1989. It was a show called House Party. And the host of it was Steve Ducey. The, the same Steve Ducey that on Fox and Friends. And um, the producer of that show approached me two years ago and said, boy, you, you've done so much and you met so many people. I bet you this would be a good documentary. I go, yeah, okay, let's do it. So the, that was, uh, again, what Bob did and Jason Alexander. So we, we're in the uh, midst of going to be finishing it up in in the spring with uh, going to Jay's house. And that'll be the end of that documentary. So I'll be in touch with that one, Dave, and we'll, we'll talk about it when that's finished. Yeah, they, yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to know. And, and when do you think it's going to be out? You said probably by summer, if we can finish it in the spring, mm-hmm. uh, it's all based on when Jay's going to mm-hmm. be in Newport because he agreed to, to do a nice bookend to it for an ending. Oh, great. Now, I, I need yeah. to find out, when am I going to be able to get you on uh, Comedians in Cars with Seinfeld? Oh, boy. Would, would that be a... He, he's got... <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm on that list. I'm, I think I'm number 3,004. Oh, good. Yeah, he, you moved up yeah. from five. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Did you ever work yeah. with Seinfeld? No. Uh, oddly enough, when, when they were filming Seinfeld, I was on the same lot the same night doing the worst show on TV while on the two stages over the best show on TV was being done Seinfeld. I was working on a show called the single guy and nice, (laughs) nice. No, you don't remember it, right? No, but even the name sounds like a a loser. (laughs) Yeah. Jonathan Silverman was the lead on that. And people go, who's that? He was one of the two living guys in Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, yeah, 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 right, yeah. So he, he was the other guy. He was one of the two live guys. Yeah, I think Andrew McCarthy was the other one. Um, uh, but, yeah. And, and, and so that was your claim to fame at that time, being on the worst show as opposed to the best show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Luckily, it was only one day a week. But I say I was on it. I did the warm-up on it, which coincided with the same shooting night that uh, Seinfeld shot. Now, how did you get to know Jason Alexander? Since he was uh, I worked with him on ER. He was oh. on ER. Okay, yep. Did you know that one? No, ER had, well, no, ER had a warm-up guy? 
Oh, that ER. You're thinking of the other ER. Which ER? <laughs> I worked on ER, the sitcom. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no one, nobody remembers. Elliot Gould was the doctor. Oh, my God, yeah. George Clooney played the intern. Conchetta Farrell, who was wow. made on Two uh, and a Half, and a half men. men. Yep, yep. Right? And Jason Alexander was the hospital administrator. Oh, and we got to be friends on that ER. Oh, wow. And, and by the way, I got to know George Clooney very well that year. Oh, yeah. He is as, as nice a guy as he seems to be. So uh, he, he went, eh, let's get a volleyball team, ER versus all the other shows. <laughs> you know, it was only one season. It lasted one season. Yeah. But, when I say, yeah, I was on ER, uh, not that one. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, can you tell me, do you have a Betty White story? Uh, no, no. I didn't do Golden Girls. Right. So my orbit never matched hers. You know, I'd like to make up one, but that wouldn't no, be No, right. no, 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 no. I just, <laughs> wanted, I just wondered, would you work on it? Because she's another one who's passed recently. It's like they're dropping like flies. Yeah. Um, listen, this has been great. I thank you so much for doing this, and I apologize for not being able to get through to you on this, but I'm glad we hooked up. And and when the documentary comes out, or before, whenever you want, if you'd like to come back and do do it again, we'll talk some more. I would more. love it, I, I, We've done this a few times now. I, I love it. You're a great guy, and it's easy, and it, it's reminiscing with a friend. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad you feel it because that's the way I feel about it too. It's really yeah. wonderful of you to do this, and uh, and my uh, you know my condolences to the loss of your friend yeah. Bob. I know yep. uh, how you feel, and uh, I just want to let you know that uh, so many people concur with your opinion about him that he was a great guy, and it's a good wow. feeling to know that you had somebody like yep. that in your life, isn't it? Well, thank you for having me on. I I, I love it. It's a pleasure. All right, we'll talk soon. All right, Dave. All right, thanks Thank a you. lot. All right, bye-bye now. All the people that we had uh, uh, pass in the last couple of weeks, uh, it's nice to say thank you to them. Uh, to Betty White and, and, and uh, Ronnie Spector and my pal Jerry Granahan and Bob Saget and so many more. People that have done so much to entertain us, to make us feel better. To make us feel good. I want to thank Bob Perlow for being on today. It was great, huh? And he's got a, now he's got a documentary about him. That's terrific. Boy, <laughs> do a documentary about me. Four people in the line to get a ticket. Um, that's getting uh, us uh, very close to the end of our Saturday morning go-round. This has been really more relaxing for me uh, today. Uh, you know, it wasn't as hectic as it, as it usually is. Uh, we have a lot more guests normally and, and people are running in and running out. But um, we got a chance to take our time and chill out and uh, just talk. I got a chance to spend time with a couple of friends. It worked out really, really good. And uh, believe it or not, we were at that place uh, when uh, the guy with the mustache uh, walks in and says, um, what is it he's saying? It says, I can't remember what it is he says. Oh, I think it's, uh, yeah, hello, I must be going. Right. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so I want to thank everybody for being on. I want to thank <clears throat> our friend Jay Delisio, now, now president of the city council, Jay Delisio. I want to thank him for, for being on. And uh, that was a good, that was like an hour and a half we spent with each other. Just talking, just, just uh, you know, really, you know, because, like I said before, m many times what happens is, um, you know, you um, you come in to promote something, as a food bank or or something else going on, and uh, we don't get a chance to really chat well, chat a lot. Uh, but um, today we did. Found out more about him. And I, I'm hoping I'm going to be able to get other council members to to do that too so we can know more about them and you'll get a chance to feel more comfortable with them as well. Uh, my thanks to Bob Perlo, my thanks to Jay, and my thanks to all of you for listening to me today, uh, for being with me today. Uh, and... Um, I hope we'll do it again really soon. That's what I hope. Uh, because that's what I... Well, I just felt good about it, that's all. So I'll send this to you too, okay? Let me remind you too that uh, in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Stay tuned for uh, 4 Deep Sports next on WARA.